Hello, my name is Tom Chick. And I'm Jason McMaster. And you are listening to the Quarter to Three Games podcast, where this week we have with us a very special guest, Mr. Darnie Moore. Now wait, is it the Games podcast again, or is it just the, the Quarter to Three podcast? It's a little of both, I okay. think. Uh, but we have a movie podcast, too. Uh, right. Listen on uh, on Sunday nights. We, we have that. Uh, but this is the Games podcast, and I guess... Uh, I guess also it's general, yeah. Uh, but uh, Donnie, first of all, what happened to the other N in your first name? Uh, my parents lost it when I was an infant. That's kind of sad. So you get called Doni a lot, I guess. Uh, not since junior high, but thank you, Tom. All right, well, here's another thing I want to try with your name. How would you feel if during this podcast, me or uh, Jason L. McMaster would periodically say to you, and I apologize for the language, but would periodically say to you, these aren't my words or someone else's, but what oh, if no, periodically said to you, do you really? Can then, can you do it for us? I so can do I, it for you. So that I don't I don't want to have to do the F word in case there are women listening. Donnie, you're like a child that wanders into the middle of a conversation. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Donnie. You're out of your element. Very good. Now, do you get that a lot? Is that something that people named Donnie have to deal with? Uh, from a certain type of person, yes. I used to work at a... Jimmy John's, and everybody that worked there with me was a big kind of stoner, little kind of hipstery, and they were all huge fans of that movie, so I heard it all the time there. McMaster, did he say Jimmy John's? Yeah. Should I ask him about that? <laughs> Have you heard of a Jimmy John's, McMaster? Yeah, I know what it is. Oh, you guys both know what a Jimmy John's is? Yeah, yeah. What the heck I is a Jimmy John's? It's, it's a, a sub shop. Yeah, it's those, a sub-sandwich place. Wow, those never made it south to Arkansas, I guess. <laughs> I guess not. When did you, I mean, when was the last time you lived in Arkansas? That's a very good question, Donnie. I have not been an Arkansan for nigh on 15 years. So they probably, that place is probably crawling with Jimmy John's by now. Could be. Uh, Could be. I would think so, yeah. All right. Uh, so, Donnie, you have a new job, Yes. Yes. I just, want to hear about this job because I think exciting things, you may not believe this, but just from what little you've said about it, this sounds like a job where exciting things are going to happen to you. Could be. Uh, it's a hotel job. Uh, and right now it's a part-time night weekend thing, mm -hmm. like Friday night, Saturday night, uh, from like 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., Graveyard shift, right? Lots. Yeah. That's when that's when horror movie things happen. Right. The thing with this hotel is that it's a secured hotel, so any guest returning to the hotel needs their key card to get back into the building. Because so, there could be all kinds of, yeah, I mean, if it's that kind of hotel, like, why are they locked down like that? What are they hiding? Oh, well, you know what? I haven't found a cache of bodies yet, but I haven't looked around, so... You're going to have plenty of time from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. for those kind of shenanigans to stumble so. on, like bodies or haunted rooms, uh, things like that. Tortured dungeons, maybe right. underneath the hotel. Stay tuned, folks. Uh, also, the, another option, like I think of, uh, while we're on the subject of Coen Brothers movies, uh, I think of Steve Buscemi and Barton Fink as Chet. That's how I'm picturing you oh. at, at your job. Okay. Yeah, that's... You mean, um, Totoro? No, no, come on. You remember? So there's a, uh, the Over, not Overlook Hotel. What was the name <laughs> of the hotel called in, uh, in Barton Fink? 
Oh, God. I can't remember. It's been it's, well, maybe it was Overlook. It can't be that blatant to rip off of The Shining, can it? But at yeah. any rate, when, uh, when John Turturro checks in, Steve Buscemi, who also plays Donnie, you see how this is all tying together. Well, well right. Yeah, he also plays like everything in Coen Brothers movies. That's a fair point, yes. But uh, he plays a, a little sort of homunculus named Chet, who is the proprietor of the creepy hotel in Barton Fink. So that's what I'm imagining Donnie's oh. job is going to be. Oh, okay. okay. I don't think I'm going to get to wear that little hat, though. Well, maybe if you uh, get a little seniority and you've been working there a few years... They could request the hat. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when does this job start? Uh, training on Monday and then uh, next weekend, I guess. Can you uh, play World of Warcraft from the desk using the hotel's Wi-Fi uh, internet connection while you're on duty? I doubt it to an extent. I really don't know uh, what kind of... got to feel that one out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, see yeah. how that works. It's maybe not, I can bring nope. my own laptop and yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. Like, it's not right. like you're going to have like anyone managing you. Are you going to be the boss during those hours? Like, you're kind of running things, right? Well, I might be running things, you know, by myself. I don't think I could be called the boss unless there's somebody else there, and I don't know that yet. Yeah, this is this is prime horror movie material, Donnie. I like where this is going. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Uh, McMaster, what's new with you? Nothing. Come on, don't lie. Well, nothing really, no. I'm just uh, waiting for the uh, next wave of games. And that would begin with uh, Rage, I'm assuming? Yeah, Rage, and uh, I probably will be getting Dark Souls earlier, I hope. But if not, then I guess that, too. Okay. That comes out uh, next week, right? Right. Tuesday is Rage and Dark Souls, yes. Oh. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, com- computer games have such, like, edgy names, like Rage and Dark Souls on Tuesday. That's, like, serious business. Well, Dark Souls isn't a computer game. What? McMaster, what are you on about? Video console systems are computers. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I did used to. There was one time, and I've long since let go of this. I used to be real picky about calling certain things computer games and certain other things video games. Uh, and I have long since let go of that. But I used to be like, look, if it's on a PC, it's a computer game. If it's on a console system, it's a video game. Ah, uh-huh. uh, yes. Back in the Bray days. Uh, All right, so uh, I want to tell you guys, though, one thing new with me. I just got back from Las Vegas. Now, I can't talk about a lot of the stuff that I saw. It was an Electronic Arts press event. A lot of the stuff I saw is under embargo, and you're not supposed to talk about it, blah, blah, blah. But here's what I can't – I think I can say. They can't stop me from saying this. Uh, They they showed Mass Effect 3, and uh, all the things they were showing you had hands-on time with – What I saw in Mass Effect 3, which unfortunately is embargoed until October 27th, like for a whole month. They show it to us, and they say, here's this cool thing, but you can't talk about it for a month, probably because I imagine they have some sort of exclusive agreement with a print magazine or something like that. But what they showed actually made me want to play Mass Effect 3. Oh, Jesus. Exactly, because you know I'm not a huge fan of Mass Effect 2. Uh, I was okay with Mass Effect 1, but I really didn't like Mass Effect 2. Uh, so you can only imagine, I'm just going to leave that there as a teaser. What they showed me made me, Tom Chick, want to play Mass Effect 3. So there you go. 
I'm just going to float that out there. You tease. I'm, uh, I'm curious, yeah. Well, you, stay tuned. In one month, <laughs> I can I can freaking talk about it. Uh, I also got in Vegas. Uh, no one cares about this, but I just have to say in case it comes up over the podcast. I also picked up in Vegas some kind of like killer flu bug thing. So if you hear me sniffling or blowing my nose or coughing or sneezing, I, I apologize. Right before we started uh, taping, I tanked up on some Theraflu, so I am a little bit stoned right now. So but, everyone, you hear that? Uh, if you're listening to this in the future, for your reference, Patient Zero carried <laughs> from Las Vegas to Los Angeles uh, the bug that has destroyed all of America. I can't help but imagine, uh, did, it, did either of you see Contagion? I didn't see it, but I listened to the podcast already. See, I, I'm wondering, am I the new Gwyneth Paltrow now? Yeah, exactly. Like, am I the patient zero? Who's For a right? whole host of reasons, you are the new Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> Thank you, Donnie. Wait a minute. <laughs> Uh, all right, so there we go. That's uh, that's. Let's get down to a format for the podcast. Uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. That was not me coughing. That was Donnie. Donnie, you are now patient one. How did I get it over? Oh, never mind. Oh, this 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 new version of Skype will transmit viruses uh, and colds. Just so you Dang know, it. that's what. Yeah, you never upgrade if Skype asks you if it wants to let you. If it wants to upgrade, never let it. There's no telling what you're gonna get. Uh, I just downloaded it for the first time a couple days ago, so I guess I, I didn't have any choice. All right, McMaster, you're going to be patient, too. How do you feel about that? Great. <laughs> uh, okay, McMaster, what is our format for this week's podcast? Well, we're going to talk about forum posts, mm. news, and games for this week. In what order will we be doing this, McMaster? Let's go ahead and tackle these forum posts. All right. I'll go first because I don't have anything. So then we yes. get over to uh, – let's let you go. Donnie, what is your forum post of the week? Well, um, this thread was really cool to me. Uh, it's a little old at this point, and I think the post is even quite old at this point. Not quite old, but like from last week. But uh, there was a thread started by Creole Net, I believe, and this might have been – Partially inspired by his uh, thread about uh, game maps. I think that was his thread, right? Mm -hmm. Certainly, he was yes. the, the most interesting poster in that thread. Anyway, this thread was about your favorite exploration games and why. Um, and then in that thread, Jim James posted um, about games that kind of incorporate elements of urban exploration, which is, you know, like... Exploring, you know, abandoned, you know, places that people have inhabited, um, and he kind of mentioned that he gets a lot more tension out of certain games just from, um, you know, exploring environments that are, you know, decayed and abandoned uh, than he does out of actually encountering enemies in those environments. And I thought that was a pretty interesting post because it it really rang true uh, for me and. In fact, something I really like about games like that that in include that kind of environment is sort of piecing together, you know, all these little uh, narratives that, you know, how this, this place came to be like this or, or what happened here in the past. Now, for me, uh, of course, a couple of games are definitely springing to mind right off the bat. Uh, what sort of things did Jim mention, Donnie, and, and what comes to mind for you? Uh, I don't remember specifically what... I think he might have mentioned Fallout 3. I wrote down a whole bunch 
um, that were like that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't. I don't actually own, uh, for example, Dead Island, mm-hmm. but I did play it for a little while at a friend's house, and overall, I didn't like it. But the part that he started me at uh, was, you know, the character that he loaded up was about level eight-ish, and he was in a hotel, and um, so I was kind of near this area with a pool. So in between bouts of fighting enemies, you know, I was kind of looking around at these different little cubicle areas and, and hallways and rooms and seeing, you know, dead bodies and, and all kinds of detritus. And it was pretty interesting to kind of look and see how this shell fell over on, you know, this Borshmaku's laying here and all that kind of thing. Now, you, you kind of, I want to hear the other ones, but real quick, I want to talk about Dead Island. Uh, okay. I, I think Dead Island is not, uh, like, if you just see one cross-section of Dead Island, I think you're not quite appreciating what it does, and that is to sort of progress across different types of a decayed society. Yeah. Like, it's, it starts out at a beach resort. It sounds like that's where you were, uh, yeah, where, so. where sort of, like, rich people come to vacation, and, hey, when a uh, zombie apocalypse strikes, all their luggage is left out, and there's bottles of alcohol everywhere that they were drinking, and, and it's kind of sunny and cheery, but falling apart. Now, where, where it eventually goes, uh, a town called Moresby, uh, I think oh, is okay. a much richer environment. Uh, than the resort, and it, it takes on a very different quality. I mean, it's still the same disaster has struck the area, but the type of area and how that area has reacted and the little stories you get based on seeing things like like some streets have a barricade with the uh, Australian Biological Institute logo on them. Uh, it seems like there are other areas that were like poorer and just left to their own devices, Um I think Dead Island over time, and then where Dead Island eventually ends up, which is like in this sort of unaffected wilderness, uh, Dead Island charts this great uh, sort of arc of three separate biomes and how they reacted to this one event. Uh, and I, So if you just jumped into one part, I think you're missing a little bit of what made Dead Island special as one of those uh, exploration of, an apo- yes. of a post-apocalypse. Yeah, hating Morrisby is uh, part of the experience. <laughs> I think, it, as it turns out, I probably won't get to experience in, in its totality that arc because I, like when I was playing this at my friend's house, and at one point I kind of, you know, without saying anything to him because it was very obvious that he was very into the game, I handed the controller back to him. Um, but I, I do not like, I, you know, I'm not a big fan of first-person shooters really at all anyway. And then to play a game that expects you to melee in first person with uh, monsters that run at you and then, like, kind of walk through you, like, I just, I was not into it at all. Okay, let me just say, and I think McMaster might back me up on this, there is no better first person representation of melee than Dead Island. McMaster, are you with me there? Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, now that's, that's cool if you don't like it. I can understand, like, first person, you don't want to melee. But as far as a game that has melee from that perspective and that represents, you know, that, that presents this whole idea of you've got to beat zombies to death and it's not yeah. always easy, uh, Dead Island, I think, is really special for me well, personally. I, I you know, wouldn't dispute that too much. Like, I, I, there was a lot of, you know, kind of interesting and meaty-looking gameplay, but, you know, when there's no real collision and the enemies charge at you and you take some damage and then they're behind you i just uh, I, w- I would have wound up pulling all the rest of my hair out uh, donnie i just want to say shut the fuck up you're out of your element thank you okay 
<laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. Uh, so I, it does have collision, by the way. It definitely has collision. I mean, uh, frontage, like how many zombies you're facing at once, uh, is, a, is a huge part of what you have to deal with there. And, and how many zombies are how close to you, uh, and, and you know what the reach is of your weapon, those definitely figure in. Uh, but again, if you're not into it, that's cool. Uh, but don't expect me and McMaster to not try to sway you. Okay. Well, you know, my big thing, and I don't know, we've talked on the phone a little bit in the past, um, you know, when I started working on the front page for you, and uh, we talked a fair bit about uh, open world action games, which we are both huge, huge fans of. And for me, I would much rather play a a third-person action game like that because, you know, Seeing something from a first-person perspective does not enhance the immersiveness of it to me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I've watched so many movies and I've read so many books that um, kind of identifying with a character that I'm looking at in the third person is something that is very kind of intuitive and natural to me. So I want to see what my character looks like and what they're doing, and I want to see their feet on the ground in the game space. That's mm-hmm. that's what I want. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for that reason alone, Dead Island had a lot less impact on me than I think it would on the average person. Uh, a lot of, I don't, I don't know about a lot of Dead Island, but a significant element of Dead Island is not knowing what's to your left and right and behind you. Right. And I, I think that's an intentional part of the design, the way they are, they're real tricky, and it always feels fair, but tricky, with how they spawn zombies and how if you're not careful and if you get target locked on fighting one zombie, suddenly there can be one behind you or to the left or right of you. Uh, I, I think they very intentionally take great advantage of the, the limitations of first person. Uh, I think it's a key part of, to me, what, what makes Dead Island work as far as a, a zombie game. Uh, Something I did admire about the game a great deal, after I handed the controller back to my friend, he loaded up his single-player game, and he was somewhere in Moresby, I don't know where, but he you know, was in like a, a room, I guess he was in a police station, because the, uh, mm-hmm. the zombies had uh, you know, police uniforms and weapons, and there was you know, cubicles everywhere. And so it, could have what, been, it, it could have been a male strip club. That's a good point. Um, but he were, were any of the zombies dressed as construction workers? No, no Indians. Uh, okay. No, no probably firefighters. Was, probably right. okay. It probably was a police station. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. So anyway, he left that strip club, a police <laughs> station, and he got into a, a vehicle. And so something that I admired about the game very much was that when you you know get in a vehicle and drive, you're still in that first person. It doesn't do a thing like Halo where it's first person, but then when you get in a warthog, it's like it zooms way back. And is this the appropriate time to just, uh, for all of us, hopefully, to express our mad love for Far Cry 2? It's a good game, yeah. I like that game quite a bit. And I loved uh, how it did what Donnie's talking about with vehicles. You never left that first-person view, even if you were looking at the map screen. Uh, I, lo- yeah. I love that about Far Cry 2. Donnie, are you with us on Far Cry 2? I haven't played Far Cry 2. Aha! Because it might apply also to your urban decay, although it's actually, you know, it's not really urban. It has its urban areas, but it definitely has a sense of a country that's fallen apart. And and there's little vignettes about, you know, what happened to this country that it fell apart and, and the fallout of it. Uh, so, hmm. all right. Speaking of Fallout, uh, Fallout, so Fallout 3 was another one of those games yep. that very much for me was more interesting to see, you know, these kitschy old 50s style settings that were you know just really intensely decayed and 
you know, be in this, you know, building that had been a supermarket at one point and kind of just seeing the, the way in which things had fallen apart. Yep. Uh, what what else then, was on your list? Go ahead. Sorry. Bioshock's another pretty obvious one. Mm. Um, Bioshock is very cool because there's kind of a walking around in the that environment, you get the feeling from certain areas that there's a there wasn't a gradualness about it. Like you walk through this one area where there's all these uh, decorations up still from like a New Year's party or something like that. So certain things about that game environment give you the the feeling that whatever happened was very sudden. You know, mm-hmm. kind of almost represented like a, a an event horizon of you know one one second things are this way. And then the next, they are another way. Right, right. Um, and then the other couple examples I had uh, were games that didn't heavily feature these kind of uh, settings, but, you know, L.A. Noir kind of, I don't know how spoiler we should spoilery we should avoid being, but the ending kind of bit of L.A. Noir where you're walking through that uh, not abandoned, but extremely disheveled farmhouse. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I thought you were talking about the area that was burned down. Uh, no, I, don't, no. I don't know what you're talking about. So, uh, for, Well, yeah, I mean, I, where you mean where the serial killer was? Am yeah. I oh. you, you come across, yeah, his... His, where his you, lair. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, yeah. it's a serial killer lair, yeah. Yeah, and you know, that wasn't an abandoned place, but it was really disheveled and gross, and, like, there were, you know, just... Detritus everywhere, and and then his little room full of crazy. You know, uh, there was a there was a great mission in is it SWAT four? Uh, it, it's I think Irrational made this. You know what? I'm, I'm almost positive this is Irrational made SWAT four, and there was a mission in SWAT four that was that kind of location. I think it starts out as just a, a, a regular house in the suburbs or whatever, and as you get deeper and deeper into the mission, it's this creepy serial killer lair, and you have to go oh, in there yeah. and rescue. You mean that first mission? Yeah, yeah, like I guess yeah, it was fairly early Yeah, no, it's it's one of the first ones. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it's on Halloween, and his mom's upstairs or whatever, and she's going crazy, and you have to, like, uh, restrain her. Very good, Master. Master, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that game quite a bit. Skin suits and whatnot. I think his thing was, did he make, like, like uh, clay masks or something? I forget what this particular <laughs> yeah. serial killer's affectation was, but it, there was something like that, yeah. Uh well, and I guess the last uh, little example of this is uh, it's a game that where these little sections are kind of purposely uh, built to make you kind of puzzle this out. But in Portal, you know, your little behind-the-scenes... Ah, uh, yes. You know, that was very cool for me to, to stumble across those when I was playing that game. So it's sort of... I've heard developers talk about it as... I say developers. Uh, I went and saw a uh, at a press event for Resistance 3, one of the guys... You know, I think I've heard this used elsewhere. Called it like environmental storytelling, where they tell bits of the story with how they build the environment. Yeah. Uh, and the the example, I didn't see Resistance Three. I, I haven't seen the game. I have no idea if it's any good. But one one thing that one of the developers mentioned as an example of this in Resistance Three uh, is that there's one point where you're going through a flooded town. And you find you you go past and the, and the Christmas decorations are still up around the town and in a motel parking lot there's a station wagon parked with a Christmas tree on the top of it and that's no big deal you just think oh it's a little 
It's a little environmental touch. It's, of course, around the holidays, so here's a car parked with a Christmas tree on it. But it, it has you wondering, why is it parked in a motel? You know, did something happen that this family was coming back from buying their Christmas tree and their house was destroyed by the the aliens invading or whatever, so they had to pull over and stay in the motel. Uh, but I just remember one of the developers talking about that as an example of their environmental storytelling and how it was kind of subtle and you could easily miss it. But if you get to think about it, you know, why is this family in their station wagon with the Christmas tree at a motel? Uh, there are some interesting implications there. Yeah, I, I think that's really one of the most interesting ways to kind of work a narrative into a video game. I'm not like one of these guys who's like, God, no cutscenes ever, you know, because, for example, I really liked uh, L.A. Noir for the most part. I mean, it had a lot of problems, but I love that game, you know, for a, a lot of reasons. Um, so, you know, I, I don't want to say I don't think video games can, you know, sh- or should not tell narratives in the same way that movies can. I mean, it it's often clunky and, you know, you should have just made that a movie instead of a game, but you know, environmental storytelling, very cool. It's, it's very, yeah, it's a sort of a, a lean, muscular, economic way to, to get the narrative out there. McMaster, are we missing any instances? Does anything come to mind for you that we haven't mentioned? Uh, Demon Souls. What? Oh, yeah. No, there's no, that's all, that's <laughs> oh, all, yeah. that's all bosses. There's no environmental storytelling in that. Oh, whatever. Um, <laughs> or Condemned. <laughs> Well, wait, I want to hear about Demon Souls. I, I, as a, as someone who is strictly a dilettante in Demon Souls, I never got any, they, they just all seemed like places where I was, where I didn't belong <laughs> and I was going to die soon. So I didn't look around very much, but McMaster, tell me a bit about, uh, how Demon Souls qualifies for this. Oh, it's just, uh, you know, everyone that is alive is either, you know, some kind of crazy spirit like you or they're insane. And they're trying to kill you. And the environments themselves, there's all these... Like, for instance, I, I don't know if you ever went to this world, but one of the worlds is uh, a prison. And, you're already uh, scaring me. You're, you're making me have flashbacks to a very terrifying thing, McMaster. Are you talking about the uh, the Tower of Latria? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, there's just, like, these... I guess they're the prisoners there, and they just kind of wander around, and I, I guess they can hurt you, but they they don't really do much, and you just kind of got to either wade through them or just cut them down or whatever, but uh, I kind of consider them part of the environment, but the whole environment in that place is pretty horrifying, and there's just, you know, there's corpses everywhere, and you, you know, you gain souls from them, etc. Yeah, and, and it's very obvious, like, how um, sort of real these places are you know you don't have these weird like D style dungeons that are just a chain of rooms <laughs> but that have a little you know castle skin plastered over them you know this that the environment of that first level is you know it, it's so sensible for like this is you know this is a castle and this is the the you know bridge like road that leads up to the front gate and then here are these little kind of twisty sideways you have to go through to get inside the guard towers to unlock those gates and you know so you can have a shortcut if you come back to the level later and you know it's just a very interesting space to move through that um you know clearly you know this area served this purpose in the past but now that all these little goblin-y monsters have moved in it's i don't know it's a very excellently designed uh, what what did you say the name of the thread was, or did, did you mention the name of it? Um, 
Favorite exploration games and why? Okay, good. And uh, did you say Jim James was the guy who posted the one talking about like the urban decay exploration? Yeah, and he even uh, called it by its little nickname, Urbex, and I think he may have posted a link to the Wikipedia article on urban exploration. Ah, um, is that an actual word, or did he coin that? No, I think it's, I don't think he coined it. I mean, I hadn't heard it before, but it sounds like the kind of thing that extreme dudes who do parkour would call urban exploration. <laughs> Urbex, okay. Uh, Jim, wait, Jim James, that's not, what kind of name is that? That's like the same name twice. James Jim. Wow, poor guy. All right, so uh, good good pick. Uh, McMaster, Jason L. McMaster, what is your post of the week? My post of the week comes from the extremely long All Good Demons Go to um, Sequel. Mm -hmm. Diablo 3 announced. And it comes on page, for me at least, 85. And it is post number 2,543. Wow. It's Xerox saying, all good demons go to, this is the dumbest fucking thread title in the history of forever. (laughs) And then St. Gabe says something about Diablo 2, and that's not what we're here for, so we skip over him. And the next one is Stusser (laughs) saying, I too share your hatred of this thread title. Then we got a repo man saying, I thought it was cute for a while, but the more you think about it, the worse it gets. Oxymoronic is about right, and how wonderful it is that that word contains moron. And it just keeps going and going about how people hate this thread. Title. And then they come up uh, with several others. The the one that actually ended up sticking is Diablo 3, Roman numeral style, you know, three eyes. Uh, I made one that said all good demons go to uh, threads or something, and it had a list of all the other threads she created. But one of my favorite thread, I believe, was El Diablo Esta and Mi Pantalones. But Wait a minute. Hold on. Let me parse that out. Uh, say it again, McMaster. El Diablo Esta en Mi Pantalones. Diablo 3 is in my pants? The devil is in my pants. Oh. But yes. <laughs> um <laughs> But yes, I, I really enjoyed uh, Zarok uh, shouting down the fact that that thread exists until another one came out. Uh, what did, what I, what was the original intent of that thread title? I don't understand it. It's just that dumb that it doesn't have any... Like, it's All Dogs well, Go to Heaven is a stupid Disney movie, right? Yeah, All Good Demons Go to um, Sequel, Diablo 3 announced. So I guess that was kind of just like a really bad play on words and... Sarah really hated that. He really hated it. So, right. yeah, that's my post of the week. Good. All right. Uh, Donnie, how do you feel about that thread title? Uh, I also thought it was kind of cute the first couple times, but eventually it got to the point where, I don't know, my brain refused to continue to parse it correctly, and you know, I couldn't see, like, oh, this thread is bold, there's new stuff. Wait, do I want to even look at Oh, this is the Diablo 3, right? Stupid. Right. Thing. Yeah. It doesn't. It does as a thread title. It doesn't uh, bear up under scrutiny. I'm afraid. Agreed. No. no and the irony, by the way, Jason L. McMaster, is those people who are who are kvetching about it. They're just bumping the freaking thread. Oh yes, I know. <laughs> All right. They don't understand. By the way, Jason McMaster. Uh, oh no. I think those are supposed to be called from now on, Broman numerals. Oh. Okay. Broman yeah. numerals. All right. I got gotcha. you. I don't understand that. Should should I have should I ask to have that explained, or am I just going to regret it? 
Roman numerals, Tom. That's all there is. That needs yeah, to be said. So they're like <laughs> Roman numerals that bros use? I would think so, yeah. You know what? I just That's a joke that shouldn't be explained. I'm just going to kill it. So I'm going to let it stand. Uh, and uh, Jason L. McMaster, what are we going to do next? Are we going to do games of the week or news stories of the week? We can do news stories. All right. Uh, since I'm going to cheat here, I'm going to go last. So Jason okay. L. McMaster, why don't you start us off? What is your uh, pick for news story of the week? My news story of the week is that Psychonauts receives a Mac version, Steam update, and an iOS app. Wait, 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 wait. hold on, hold on. Isn't there something about League of Legends that you'd rather bring up? Oh, no, no. <laughs> that can wait till later. <laughs> oh, okay. So, uh, Psychonauts, that game's like 10 years old. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think it's uh, 20 years old. No, it's 2005, I believe. Um but uh, the Double Fine uh, received the rights of back for Psychonauts in June of this year, and so in that, uh, in celebration of that, they're you know uh, releasing a Mac version, and the Steam updates will do stuff like uh, cloud saves, um, achievements, or Steamies as we call them, mm-hmm. um, and a modified version of the game's notoriously difficult Meat Circus stage. Ah. And Tim Schafer says, we are really excited to finally be answering fans' requests for a more difficult meat circus. But, of course, he's, <laughs> he's, he's joking. But, um, uh, yeah, so, hey, good for them. I always got to give a shout-out for Tim Schafer whenever I see something going on for those guys. They don't get enough recognition. And now what's the deal with the, the iPhone app thing? Oh, right. Yes. Um, they will be releasing the Psychonauts Vault Viewer, which is an iOS app that showcases the game's numerous memory vault sequences with a new commentary from Tim Schafer and double fine artist Scott Campbell. I got this news from Tom Curtis over at Gamma Sutra. And now when can we download that onto our iOS products? Um, geez, I, it doesn't actually say. <laughs> uh, maybe now? <laughs> All right, if I go onto the uh, iTunes store and it's not there, I'm holding you accountable, Jason L. McMaster. All right, fine, fine. <laughs> I see how you are. Uh, am I the only loser on this podcast who has not played Psychonauts? I think so. I haven't yeah. finished uh, it, but I, I, I really love it. It's nice. Yeah. But you like him enough. It's all right. Yeah, you know what? I, exactly. It's not like I need more reasons to adore Double Fine's work. Uh, yeah, fair enough. All right. Uh, look, right. actually, yep. uh, you can get that Apple or the iOS thing now, it looks like. Oh, good. So this was a release announcement and not like a, hey, look what we're going to do in the future announcement. Right. I love those announcements way better. I love when somebody tells me something that I can get right now. Yeah, I like that a lot, too. Yeah. That's nice. Uh, all right. So uh, Double Fine branching out to uh, Apple users. Very, very kind to them. Um, oh, yes. Donnie, what is your news story of the week? Uh, this is something that I guess broke uh, last week also, but it's not occurring until next month, so I guess it's still sort of timely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't less listen to last week's podcast, so hopefully nobody mentioned this, but <laughs> I'm quite excited about DC Universe Online going free to play. No, you don't say. They can't do that. <laughs> well, I you know, have been unemployed, so I've been really cracking down my games budget, um, and I really wanted to try that game, mm-hmm. so now I'm going to get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom, I, 
I do love that game, and that that was, I believe, my news story of the week, but I'm happy to uh, talk about oh. it some more. Uh, so free-to-play, now have you looked much at the little three-tiered structure they got going? No, I haven't, actually. Well, the, the good news there, Donnie, is somebody who's played it, I can tell you, you are getting, it's not one of those things where you just get to sample it and then they're going to start dinging you for money. You get a lot of game for very little money, it seems like. They, they, they seem to be embracing the fact that, like, in order to support a free-to-play structure, you only need to get, like, 4% of the people spending money. So the other 96% in, in terms of how DC Universe Online works, they're going to get a lot to play with. So uh, I'm glad you'll be on board. That's a great game. Uh, Donnie, when can uh, people play uh, uh, DC Universe Online for free? I actually don't know a specific date. All I remember uh, hearing about was that it's you know in October. Yep, so very soon. Very soon. Yeah. Uh, Donnie, who is your favorite DC hero universe hero? <laughs> uh, hmm. I guess I'm going to go with Power Girl. That's not a real thing. What? Yeah, Power Girl. Power Girl's not a real thing. There's a real superhero named Power Girl? Mm-hmm. She that is. That sounds, like a ladies, is... that sounds like a ladies' energy drink. Tom, I would have to get into some really obscure wonky uh, comic book continuity stuff to explain this to you, and you would stop listening. <laughs> and aside from that fact, it's actually so obscure and wonky that I don't even have it all straight. But, uh... Well, let me let me ask you real quick, because I might know who this is from playing DC Universe Online. Okay. In DC Universe Online, there's a, a very, uh, shall we say, striking young lady. Uh, I think, I wasn't going to use that term, but let's go with that. Okay. Uh, she's wearing, I think, like a white outfit and she's a blonde chick and she's like a superman kind of character she's and a kryptonian you know what i think i know who power girl is donnie I'm, I'm... She's, a, she's a kryptonian and she has a short red kind of half cape that goes over only one shoulder and she got like blue gloves and boots you know what donnie i think i, I think i've uh i beat her like i that think she's power. one of the uh they have bosses like you can be either the I forget. The good guys or the bad guys? What is the equivalent? I forget. Anyway, oh, you can either work for, like, oh, villains and heroes. You can either work for villains like uh, the Joker and, oh, various other villains who I can't think of now, or you can work for heroes like Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman. Uh, if you work for the villains, one of the sort of, like, wandering bosses out in the city that you have to fight is Power Girl. And I think okay. there's, like, a, a, a mid- to low-level quest where you have to beat Power Girl. So I totally know who you're talking about. I can't believe... You know what, Donnie? You and me are both the same level of comic book geekdom. What do you think of that? I disagree with you entirely. <laughs> what would you say... Uh-huh. If I told you that Power Girl is sort of a weird alternate universe clone of Supergirl and is thus sort of Superman's cousin. Everybody <laughs> Did you know any of that? Yeah, everybody knows that, Donnie. Please. Oh, okay. So, and then DC had this, like, stupid, I call it stupid, but silly, Infinite Crisis-like crossover kind of stuff that they've been doing repeatedly over the past couple decades because... In the 80s, they wanted to really solidify and, and make more consistent their continuity mm-hmm. because they had characters that had been around since, you know, the original, like, days of Superman, you know, these Golden Age heroes, and then they had newer Silver Age heroes who had a little bit more serious and less silly backstories, and then, they, you know, these characters, you know, didn't age, so they were all, it was all just a big continuity jumble, so they did this crazy crossover thing to make 
everything more consistent mm-hmm. uh, in the early 80s. But then it turns out that the ramifications of what they had done had certain undesirable side effects, and they kind of forgot some to, to include certain things to make them more consistent. So then they wind up having to do another crisis crossover to try to straighten straighten things out that they had forgotten to before. So like they've done three or four of these at this point, and it's it's all too much for me. I mean, you know I, what? Yeah, that's that's what you're asking for when you get into comic books. You should just stick yeah. with something like Star Trek. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> now, I do want to ask you, Donnie, so were, were you serious? Like, when if I were to say, who's your favorite DC character, are you serious about Power Girl? Like, is there cool stuff about her? Because all I could tell is that she just looked like a cheesecakey version of Superman. Like, would she really be someone you would you would highlight as a cool character from DC? Yeah, absolutely, because, like, on the surface, that that's what she is, just mm-hmm. a, you know, big-breasted, cheesecakey version of, of Superman. But um, if you read her titles, um, she's very kind of witty and sarcastic and she is very aware of the fact that you know people look at her and only see her boobs um so she's a very snarky character you know I'm, i've always been a you know the the biggest fan of the the wisecracking characters like deadpool or spider-man mm-hmm. um so on the dc side of things you know that witty wisecracking character is you know well she's not the only one but power girl is is one of them and i guess you know the the you know justice league international uh like blue beetle and booster gold stuff from the early 90s you know they were also pretty wisecracking sarcastic but you know, now they're that's... they're in the game too by the way i know who they are also from okay. dc universe you know i only know of one of them but one of them he's kind of like i don't even want to begin to describe him but he's <laughs> uh he's like your one of the cool things they have in dc universe online is uh as you explore the city you get they're like quests to go to the little like I don't know Gotham University or the Daily Planet building and you get a little backstory about that location and it ticks it off of your little quest list and you get XP for it and Booster Gold is the guy who narrates it he's like the guy who's like giving you the tour of the city uh, at these various kiosks or Booster Beetle Blue but anyway one of those two <laughs> things that you mentioned who I can't okay. straight uh, so uh, uh, good well I. I I love the fact that they're going free to play. I think it's great news for them, uh, and I'm surprised you haven't. If you know that much about Power Girl, I'm surprised you haven't dug into it yet. Uh, uh, well, I, I don't know. I just figure I'll I'll see what's in there when I, you know, when I try it. It's I'm not really spoiler averse, but it's right not the kind of thing that I'm so hungry for that I'm looking for any, you know, squeezing any detail I can possibly get out of out of it. Well, you know, I guess also it is, like, if you were to play right now, it's one of those games where you have to, like, pay the, the whatever, the $40, $60, whatever, for the retail package for that first month, isn't it? Like, that's that's their structure. They're, they're going for that, you know, all this money. It's, not, it's got a f- fairly high financial barrier to entry. Uh, it's so. probably pretty cheap now. Not as cheap as it'll be next month. Yeah. Well, that's true. It'll be slightly cheaper then. Uh, McMaster, ask me what level I am in DC Universe Online. What level are you, Tom, in DC Universe Online? The highest. What is so, that? so DC, 12? it's twenty. Uh, DC Universe Online is the only MMO where I've hit the level cap because you can do it in you know a week's dedicated play. The the end game is all about grinding for gear and stuff, but you can you can hit that level cap pretty quickly. So. Uh, Oh, well, you can get the DC Universe Online Collector's Edition for $60 right now. 
There you go. Now, Donnie, have, have you seen, real quick, have you seen the intro trailer to DC Universe Online? Mm, I don't know. I might have you seen would it. Know seen it like you would definitely know if you've seen it it's the it's it sets the stage for how they take these characters and put them in the context of an mmo and it's just so like kinetic and uh man i love that opening trailer uh it's the opening cinematic and it was also released as a trailer uh jason l mcmaster have you seen this uh maybe i mean i probably did i yeah i probably did i'm not thinking of it right now though i can't think of it you the thing is, that game came out, you know, months ago at this point. So yeah. if I watched oh, it back yeah. then. I might not remember it. No, you would remember this. It's like a, it's like this huge dynamic battle between, and different characters come and go, and and some of them even get killed, and and then the way it sort of turns around, how this is going to become an MMO. I would think you guys would remember if you if you'd seen it, but m- maybe not. Maybe it just impressed me because suddenly I was looking at like Superman and Green Lantern or Ants. whatever, Green Ants, uh, Green Pants, whatever. <laughs> Uh, and I was like, wow, these guys are cool. I want to know who they are. Uh, it, you know, it really grabbed me, a guy who's not at all into comic books, and made me want to explore this universe. So, mm. I, I, I doubt it would have had this, quite the same impact on me because I, I wouldn't be looking at uh, you know, characters and, and saying, ooh, I want to know who they are because I, I know who all the characters well, are. Well, even better, you would already have context for them. Uh, well, maybe, but I don't know. You didn't. You're describing like a. It's dynamic and it's a big battle, but it's like eh, every game trailer is, you know, this dynamic big battle, cool thing. And stuff's happening. And all right, Donnie. Well, I tell you what. When you watch this and you think to yourself, "Man, Tom was right. This is awesome." You can let me know. I will do that. <laughs> uh, you were going to ask me something, and I cut you off, Donnie. Uh, I was going to ask you if you do your dilettante thing in bunches of free-to-play MMOs. Like, do you enjoy? Like, that's one thing I enjoy is. You know, logging into a free-to-play MMO and playing it for the first 10 or 20 or 30 levels and kind of seeing mm-hmm. how they, in, you know, how they implement certain MMO tropes or, you know, common MMO mechanics. You know, how do they do, you know, storage and how do they do their auction house and how do they do, you know, transportation and all that stuff. You know, is, is that something you do at all? It's not simply because I, I, I do not – I. MMOs are such a huge time sink that in a way I don't care about them unless I know I'm going to sink a lot of time into them, in which case it's usually for an assignment. Uh, So I don't visit a lot of different ones, but I imagine you do that, Donnie, because you were, like, you were, I don't know if you still are, but you're a big World of Warcraft guy, right? Uh, yeah, for a long time I was. So, but, so you admit, I mean, like, you're into MMOs, right? Like, that's a genre you really appreciate and you like to explore, it sounds like. Uh, well, I guess... Yes and no. Um, I played WoW pretty much from the beginning of, of what they call vanilla, you know, the before there were any expansion packs. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first, you know, I was playing a character of a class that wasn't uh, super focused or super powerful. I was playing a druid. So, you know, killing monsters with a druid way back in the day was pretty slow. So it took me a long time to get up to the first level cap. And wow, um, and so you know, I you know, kind of MMOs are still kind of new to me at that time. Like I'd played one or two before that, but I'd only played really hardcore grindy ones like uh, EverQuest, and you know, I only got to level six in that before I decided it wasn't for me. And and you know, Final Fantasy eleven, I didn't get you know to maybe level twenty or thirty in that before I was like, oh, this takes too much effort and time to play. So then when WoW came out, you know, and, and when I say it takes too much time and effort to play, in FF11, you could not 
kill a monster that was your level. You know, you, there was not pretty much any monster in the game that was your level that you could kill by yourself, except in a you know few very certain circumstances. Like if you were playing the solo class from that game, you could you could play on your own. But otherwise, you know, you had to have five other people with you, mm-hmm. and you had to you had to level not by doing quests, but by going out with your five friends, finding a spot where you could grab numerous monster spawns and kill them. I mean, you, you just had to grind with a group for experience right. in that game, and that was not fun. That, by first of all, any stretch. yeah, penalty for using the F word. Uh, <laughs> you know what you're describing, Donnie? I can appreciate you saying it's not fun, but I hear that and I think, wow, that's hardcore. That might be something I'd like to try. Uh, uh, I, you know, you might like to try it for the experience, but I think you would tire of it very quickly. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. When WoW came out, it was, I guess, you know, people called it easy and they called it casual and they said it was, you know, lame because it's, you know, but it took a a new approach to that sort of mud, you know, evolved graphical mud style that MMOs previous to that had had taken. So, I don't know, once I got to the end game of WoW and started raiding, and then did the same thing in the first expansion, you know, I kind of talked myself into seeing the treadmill for what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's when I really, I haven't seriously raided since, you know, the since that time of the first expansion, and I, I realized that I was basically wasting time. But I still enjoy seeing how different developers choose to solve the different problems of an MMO or the different, you know, just how they choose to implement the different mechanics that are expected. Have you seen Guild Wars? Are you? Is that something that you've tried? No, I haven't tried Guild Wars. Oh. No, the, most, the most recent one I've played is uh, Age of Conan. Mm-hmm. Um, and something I really love about that game is how... I don't. I'm not really a, somebody who's ever ridden a horse, um, but how realistic to somebody who doesn't ride horses, the mounts feel. Because when you click on your mount button uh, in Age of Conan, you know you get a little spell bar that fills up that says you're summoning your mount. Mm-hmm. And while that's happening, a, a horse actually ride, runs up to beside you from behind, and you put a foot in a stirrup and you swing your leg over the thing and you. You know, you get on the horse in the way that a person gets on a real horse, and then when you're riding it, like it has an acceleration, and when you stop pressing the you know the run forward button, it has a deceleration, and then when you you know you can't strafe with this thing, so you know it, horse it, physics. Yeah, I mean, in a way, it's and it's. I almost don't want to say that it's good from a game design standpoint, um, but it winds up feeling. You know, more real and like it has more impact um, to have done it that way than, for example, the horses in WoW, where you know you just get a little cast bar and your character does their little idle crafting animation with their hands, and then at the end of the the cast bar, then your horse appears underneath underneath you in a little puff of smoke, and then you well, can you uh, know, ho- hold that thought because we are definitely going to be talking about horse physics a little oh. later in the podcast. Okay. Uh, McMaster, what MMOs, like, do you sample MMOs like what Donnie is talking about? Are there any that you've just kind of jumped into to sort of poke around and explore, or do you just jump into the ones you know you want to stick with? I've played a lot. Um, what are some, tell us some of the weirder, what's the weirdest MMO you've ever explored? The Tale in the Desert. Oh, yeah, yeah, that is a weird one. Is that even, I guess it is an MMO. So it's like a totally co-op thing, right? Like, and you're just right. building stuff. Right. 
Yeah. It doesn't like, it doesn't sound very fun. Yeah, you know, it's it's okay. I like the first real writing thing I got before I started working for GameSpy was was DIY games. Um you remember Gregory Metric? Um I believe that was his name, right? Um but he uh he and all those guys played that. So I, I went and messed around with them for a while and uh yeah, it's kinda strange. Building bricks and all that jazz. Jason L. McMaster, what level are you in a tale in the desert? I don't know. Uh-huh. Interesting. What is the most punishing MMO you've ever played, Jason L. McMaster? Uh, EverQuest. First EverQuest. That, you know what? It is kind of like I was thinking of like uh, like Donnie describing whatever that Final Fantasy was you mentioned. And I guess like it, that's nothing new, is it? Like having uh, oh, no. MMOs that are willing to sort of smack you around. Well, that's the thing. Um, the original EverQuest was designed by, oh, God, what's that guy's name? It's Brad. Brad McQuaid. Brad McQuaid. And, uh, yeah, I know a lot of Brads. Um, and uh, <clears throat> his whole thing that he wanted was, uh, you know, the player-run economy, and uh, he wanted it to be very punishing. He wanted death to have such a huge impact. And then the player-run economy became, like, tons of guys sitting in a tunnel, you know, shouting, and uh, yeah, it, the the whole game just kind of it was it was very. Are you, are you talking about the ad hoc uh, auction house thing that kind of popped up in EverQuest? Like I, I yeah, know a little yeah. bit about that game, not very much, but a little bit between the between the commons. Right. Um, yeah, and it just yeah, he wanted people just to work completely off of trade, and uh, while that you know can work, it just yeah, it's, it's I'm sure. Crazy. I'm sure Final Fantasy XI was not unique in this, but in Final Fantasy XI, when you died, you lost experience. Yeah. And it did not uh, floor that experience loss to emptying your experience bar for the current level. So oh, yeah. if you if you had just hit level 28 or whatever and you died, you would lose enough experience. You know, you'd lose a big enough chunk that you would drop down to level 27 again. Yeah, you would do that in uh, EverQuest as well. They it's were and there was so terrible. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if I remember correctly, um the uh, EverQuest had like some sort of weird calculation in it where every ninth level was referred to as a hell level because it required like a ton more experience to hit the um like the next 10 levels. And so you would end up uh needing like I don't know, maybe like Double or a third more experience than normal. So you, if you lost experience in that level, it was just you know forget it. Yeah. Uh, so. At the risk of making myself sound like a, a wuss, uh, well, I stopped playing Final Fantasy XI uh, one night. So I I played the game for a little while. You know, my brother got into it before I did, and he kind of quickly found a group of people that were kind of dedicated to the game and played together. And so, since he played a healer and he got in with them, like he leveled a lot faster than I did, and I kind of struggled with you know doing pickup groups. Um, but I eventually decided to start leveling a healer as well, and then I found a group of, of people who played together who were actually pretty good at the game, and I got in with them. Uh, but at one point, like one night, we were playing, and I was you know I was a white mage, I was healing, um, I had just gotten to level. 28, and I didn't, didn't pick that number out of a hat earlier. So I just got to level 28, so this item, this new item I had that was good for my healing character, I'd bought it off the auction house and was carrying it around 
to wait to put it on until I you know, was high enough level to, to wear it. So I, I put on the new boots I had or whatever they were. And then, you know, we were in whatever area. We, were, we kept killing monsters. Um, it got late, and I fell asleep at my computer. <laughs> and then, so when the other people in my group decided, you know, we were done for the night, or I guess actually, like, I was healing, so they really, they couldn't go on. Anyway, so I guess they all left, and I wound up uh, catching aggro, as they say, and I got killed. And so when I woke up, and I was like, oh, oh what's what's going on? So I woke up, and I was level 27 again, and my boots were back in my inventory because the game had unequipped them from me since I couldn't wear them anymore. And I never played that game again. Well, Tony, you're not supposed to sleep while you play an MMO. That is true. I wish I had known that back then. You're yeah. just you're just lucky no one like put your hand in in hot water. Or I guess I'm lucky they were all you know at wherever they were in their own houses. <laughs> they might have. Uh, all right, so uh, we look forward to seeing you in DC Universe Online when it goes free to play next month, Donnie. Don't forget, watch the trailer, and then oh. let me know when you're like, right. oh, yeah, it was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll do that. Jason L. McMaster, what do you have for us for your news story of the week? I already Wait, did mine. What was yours? Psychonauts. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I feel bad. I should remember that because that's double fine. All right, I guess it's my yeah. turn. Why do I like Tim Schafer so much more than you? How dare you? Have you? Oh. All right, all right, Jason L. McMaster, what level are you in Brutal Legend? Uh, is there leveling in Brutal Legend? Ah, I thought I was going to get you. I thought you were going to roll off a number, and then I was going to tell you there's no levels in Brutal Legend. Rats. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, let's go to my news story of the week, because I'm about to cheat here. Uh, oh. I have good news, bad news, and no news. <laughs> Ooh, I wonder if I know what your no news is. This sounds like a Johnny Carson bit. <laughs> uh, will you be the Ed McMahon for this piece, Jason L. McMaster? Yes! <laughs> Can you do the laugh? <laughs> yes! Right. Oh, very good. Uh, so what do you predict, Donnie, is my no news? Is your no news the fact that nobody is talking about um, how many people are getting their Microsoft accounts hacked? Mm, no, because that would seem okay. like news. Wait, All right. is, is the idea that 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 should be news and isn't, or that that's not news anyway? Uh, I guess, yeah, the idea was that that should be news and isn't. Uh, that's just kind of what I thought you meant by no news. Is, is a disproportionate are, is a dis, yeah, is a disproportionate number of people getting their Microsoft accounts hacked? Well, apparently, I thought this was an isolated thing because it happened to me a couple months ago uh, where I was up in the wee hours, and I talked about this a little bit in the thread on quarter to three, uh, but I was up in the wee hours of the morning, and I, got, I saw an email, you know, confirming my purchase of Microsoft points, and I went, uh, I didn't buy Microsoft points, what's going on? So I logged in my account right away and changed my password, and then, you know, called Microsoft support and got them to refund the points since, you know, they hadn't been spent or anything like that. Um, so I, I didn't know there was any more to the story, but then just yesterday I saw a thread on quarter to three, so apparently this is happening to lots of people. Uh, Deslock started a thread. Yeah. Uh, well, no, that is not my no news. Uh, my no news is actually a news story that I don't think is a news story, and uh, that might even be a news story, Donnie. Uh, like, if there is some some widespread uh, security flaw in, in the 
uh, Xbox Live accounts, that that seems like it would be a news story. Well, yeah, but you know, nobody is really talking about it at all yet. Right. So. Yeah, that's kind of weird. I haven't like, yeah, I've seen like a few people have been talking about it on quarter to three, but I haven't heard a single thing otherwise. Well, all I know is my account hasn't been hacked, so I'm okay. Yeah, Keep an eye on your email. All right, I certainly will. I can uh, only assume that that the reason it was so easy for me to to get my refund was that. I happened to see that email at like 3 or 4 in the morning and immediately changed my password so they couldn't transfer those points to another account. Right, right. Uh, All right, I'll keep an eye on mine. Jason L. McMaster, you keep an eye on yours too. Everybody listening, keep an eye on your email. Watch your Xbox Live account very closely. There could be shenanigans afoot. Keep your hand on your wallet. And that too. Uh, Here's my no-news story. I'll I'll start with that one. Uh, uh, Dead Island, the game... Uh, I think there's this perception that, hey, it's going to be a movie. And then certainly that's what some of the people in PR would like you to think. Uh, but all that happened, and I think this is a no news, is that the rights to Dead Island were optioned by Lionsgate. Now, you might oh, think, okay. hey, that's great. Yeah. It's going to be a movie. But, yeah, like, oh, wait, hold on. My cat's walking on the keyboard. All right. Uh, can you guys hear me? Am I still here? Shadow cat. Yeah. Uh, uh, so go, go take some Prozac. Oh, you're mean. That's terrible. As I mentioned, my cat has been prescribed Prozac by the vet, and you're making fun of him. He's disabled now. Poor shit. Uh, uh, anyway, so no. Uh, oh, God, I have to blow my nose, and I was talking. Uh, you know what? I'm going to power through it. So uh, Dead Island was optioned. The, the film rights to Dead Island were optioned by Lionsgate. Now, that might seem like, hey, we're going to get a, a Dead Island movie, but I love sort of untangling the threads when these announcements come out to see how likely this is to actually happen. And I would put the prospects of a Dead Island movie pretty low on the likelihood scale, like maybe maybe somewhere around the likelihood of a, of a Halo movie, somewhere around there. Uh, so, so what actually happened, uh, Liongate secured the rights. Now, this happens a lot in that a company will get the rights just so they can sort of park on them in case something big happens, in case the game busts out. Maybe they're sort of hedging that it's going to be very popular. Uh, and so I think that's what's going on here. Uh, so what they've done is they've handed it over to a producer, now this is this is this is a pretty good first step in terms of there being actual pre-production, but until there is a, a, a script attached, I don't think there's really much to 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 really look forward to here. Now, if you ever hear about a director attached, and this, I think the Halo movie even got this far, then things are looking up. But right now, all we have is a producer for a Dead Island movie. Uh, he's a fellow named Sean Daniel. Uh, you. Most people don't follow producers' names. I certainly don't, so I had to look them up. Uh, the most successful thing he's done is the Mummy uh, Scorpion King franchise. Um, he's produced all of those. His most recent work, Tanked. This guy produced uh, the movie The Wolfman uh, with Anthony Hopkins uh, and Benicio Del Toro. Exactly. You, right there, McMaster, your reaction. That was also the reaction at the box office. <laughs> Uh, so this guy, uh, he he, uh, the, the fact that they've given it to him uh, doesn't instill me with much hope that it's going to get fast-tracked or that it's going to happen anytime soon. This guy also has in production, and here's another complication, I think. He also has uh, in development, not in production, uh, another zombie movie, something called Other Kingdom, which is written and directed by uh, – it's got a script and a director attached, and it's the guy who wrote Event Horizon. And Other Kingdom is about a, a, a hospital staff when a zombie outbreak happens. So the fact that this guy has two zombie projects, one much further along in development, makes me think Dead Island is going to sit on a burner somewhere for a while. Well, you mean man- Anderson has? 
That other one? You mean like he's the one that did Event Horizon, or did or am well, I uh, Paul Anderson directed uh, Event Horizon. The script was written by uh, I want to say uh, Philip Eis- Eisner. Uh, oh. I looked this up earlier. So the guy who wrote Event Horizon, the script, yeah, okay. Paul Anderson. Yeah, he's the guy who is directing and writing the producer's other zombie movie called Other Kingdom. Because uh, yeah, I mean uh, I'm a fan of uh, Event Horizon. That's what it and Paul. Well, you know, it would be nice to see uh, uh, this, you know, solid R-rated zombie movie with that kind of Event Horizon sensibility. There was a lot of help oh, yeah. on there. Uh, so won't a studio kind of sometimes option a, an IP because they've got a, a movie that's similar to that and they want to shoehorn that IP on the top of their movie? Could be, yeah. That's a very good point, Donnie. We might see this Other Kingdoms thing sort of transitioned to... But you know what? That's actually a fantastic point, because Other Kingdoms seems to be focused on a, a hospital. And yeah. it's a zombie outbreak that happens, uh, and it's from the perspective of the hospital staff. They could just slap a Dead Rising name over it. You're, that's a very good point, Donnie. Uh, very well done. Uh, so, yeah, you, you might have something there. But, but what I'm curious about, what would you guys... Now, Donnie, I'm disqualifying you from answering this because you hate the game. Uh, <laughs> what would you guys think? Uh, what would a Dead Island movie look like? Huh. Shadowcat's not happy about the idea. I know. He's going to sit in my lap while we talk about this. Come here, Fatso. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we know, of course, the trailer got a lot of attention, oh. which had a very different kind of a narrative, and it was the, the point of view of a family. Uh, uh, what McMaster? Can you see that working for a whole movie? Uh, no, not really. I mean, it would take quite a bit. Like if I, you could maybe go the Club Dread route, but you've already got Club Dread. So what is that? That's uh, you know, um, the guys oh, that did uh, Broken, Broken Lizard. Yeah, yeah, the Broken Lizard guys. I haven't seen Club Dread, but I love uh, Super Troopers. <laughs> Super Troopers, yeah. Uh, no, it's uh, it, it's kind of a horror uh, spoof on a resort island, but it's yeah from the dudes that did Super Troopers. And what did you bet. mean, Tom? Like, what would it look like, like cinem- cinematography wise, or like? Yeah, like let's say or? let's say yeah, let's say you are responsible for either writing the script or envisioning pitching a Dead Island movie. Uh, what do you do with it? Is it just zombies on a beach resort? Do you do you try to do something? with the trailer uh i don't know because i i really do think so based on so go ahead it would be like uh it'd be like that misleading trailer or not misleading trailer but that that trailer for the doom movie which i didn't see that movie but the trailer like had a very prominent little snippet of you know first person action in it to Mm -hmm. suggest you know hey this movie is based on a first person shooter game and so look at look at this little it's gonna be like that or but then I, I guess the movie didn't do anything with that, right? The Doom movie. No, yeah, yeah that, that was just a weird little... So, so that's what you'd, you'd have... The movie trailer for Dead Island would incorporate some kind of weird, interspliced, you know, reverse narrative. But, you know, that w- they wouldn't actually use that in the film. they just try to be to sucker you into going to see it. They play that whole thing in super slow motion. That's, that's the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, right, just slow it down enough that it's 90 minutes, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, I do like the idea of a, a, a horror movie in this idyllic, 
like resort setting. Like I, I like the idea of showing a zombie outbreak there. Uh, and there is a lot of cinematic possibility, but I can't really see the guy who did the Wolfman, the Lion, or the Lion King, uh, the Scorpion <laughs> King, <laughs> and and the Mummy. I can't really see him uh, doing much with that beyond a typical uh, zombie movie. I think, but I don't know. Uh, what the, about the Club Paradise? What's Club Paradise? It's that Harold Ramis movie. It's I guess it's technically a comedy, but it was really bad, so. <laughs> What's with you in horror comedies? Never mind. I guess all the best horror movies. Oh no, this one's not really a horror. It's well, unless you watch it. <laughs> well, I, I think of Shockwaves. You guys know about that that zombie movie? No. That's uh, I think it's set in some like Bahamanian island where uh, Peter Cushing plays a Nazi scientist who's holed up and he's researching how to make underwater zombies. Definitely uh, looks like a whoa, underwater zombies, huh? Yeah, because well, zombies don't need to breathe. Yeah. Right, and they, they need to kill sharks, too, apparently. There is zombies fighting sharks in that Italian zombie movie. Yeah. But, Master, did you notice, I've been wondering about this, <laughs> when you're playing Dead Island and you attack something, of course the numbers pop up showing you how much damage you've done. If you attack something with electricity, the number's kind of like purple. If you attack something mm -hmm. with fire, the number's orange. There have been times that I've like pushed a zombie in the water and blue numbers fly out of them. Is that zombie yeah. drowning? Yes. So, therefore, these zombies breathe? See, I'm a little confused about that as well. Uh, I, I kind of, yeah, I don't, I don't really understand it. I, now, I'm not going to say I've ever killed a zombie by drowning it because I'm very impatient. But, uh, but I have noticed what you're talking about. All right. What I was told, uh, so I, you know, the little bit I played was near the pool in the hotel, and my friend told me, you know, kick them into the water because they need to breathe. So. But the thing is, they can walk around in, you know, chest-deep water and be okay. So, you know, I wound up having to, like, punch them so that their head went below the water in order to for them to take damage. Yeah, and then blue numbers fly off of them like right. they're inhaling yeah. water. It's like, But it's, it's, not, it's not constant if the water's not deep enough for them to, to be fully submerged. I might have to try that. This sounds a little sick, but I might have to try this experiment to see if the Dead Island zombies breathe by just kicking one over... You know, so that his head keeps falling in the water and he's taking a few points of damage at a time. I wonder if you can drown them to death. I'm gonna I'm gonna look into that and get back to you guys. I believe okay. you can. All right. I believe you can. All right. I'll do the I'll do the research though. We'll yeah. have, we'll make sure it's peer reviewed. Yeah, we, we want confirmation. All right. So that's my no news. Uh, I almost don't want to buy you know, I'm just gonna rattle off real quick my good news and my bad news. Bad news, this isn't gonna mean anything to either of you guys, because neither of you is a strategy game wonk like I am. But the bad news is that Matrix, uh, and Matrix already sells, like they don't generally do demos for their games. They sell them at pretty full price. They don't put them on sale. Uh, they're selling $5 scenario packs for Panzer Corps, which is this pretty cool remake of Panzer General, sort of a beer and pretzels war game. Uh, yeah. And I don't, I don't know how I feel about selling $5 scenario packs when time was... You know, these games would ship with a scenario editor, and you could just make your own scenarios and download scenarios made by other players. Uh, and it just smacks the whole thing that Civilization V has been doing for so long, is, you know, like selling all of these different factions and scenario packs and map packs. And uh, I kind of hate to see someone like Matrix getting on board with that. Uh, so that's my bad news of the week. My good news, by the way, am I right? Did, did neither of you play Panzer Corps? Uh, you know, I did not, but I wanted to because I actually really like the general series. All right. Donnie, have you ever played anything with hexes and Nazis? 
Panzer is German for tank. And you no. know that from playing. A, I'll bet you know that from playing one of those weird JRPGs set in World War Two, right? Yes. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not a big. I love uh, I love miniatures, uh, but I am not very good at strategic strategically managing a, a very large I don't know amount of resources. So well, there's I love I love the look I love the look of a strategy game, and I love the look of an RTS. I like to see these these little miniature units running around and shooting each other, but I'm not very good at actually playing them. So, so you're not going to I generally playing, don't. You won't be buying Matrix's $5 scenario packs for uh, Panzer Corps? I'm going to pass. All right. All right, so my good news this week, though, is, uh, you know, this kind of good news in theory. I don't know about in practice, but my two favorite MMOs, and they would be first and second place above DC Universe, uh, there's great news about that, as, as you mentioned, Donnie. But before I would get back into DC Universe, I would probably get back into one of these two MMOs, and they both have good news this week. Uh, yeah. The first, of course, is Rift, which I really, really like. I like how unique it feels from the way that uh, just dynamic stuff happens with monsters coming into the world and trying to conquer things, and I love that about Rift. And version 1.5 just went live. Uh, although it doesn't help me at all because it seems to add mostly stuff at the higher level. Like it raises the level cap. There's some new raid instances. Uh, um, it actually, reading the, the feature list for Rift 1.5 just made me appreciate how little I know about the end game in, in that MMO. Yeah, I don't know anything about it. Like I got to maybe my mid-teens to late-teens. Yeah. Kind of, uh, yeah. Uh, so, and that's, I, I missed that game. I mean, I wish I had more time for it. Uh, it's pretty good. So that one's not, uh, going free to play. Oh, you know what? You're right, Donnie. I was trying to think. Cause of course, uh, Old Republic comes out on December 20th. They're, they're clinging to that. They're going to tr- give it a go with that traditional subscription model. And I was right. thinking, are there any MMOs left that haven't gone free to play? And you're right. Rift is still the traditional buy the retail package, pay the monthly subscription. You're right. I forgot about that. However, you can get it for thirty dollars on Steam. Ah, but you still have to pay the—is it the fifteen a month though, right? Well, right, but you right. yeah, first month at least. So. Right, Donnie. So that's one you haven't ducked into. Yeah, I have not tried Rift. Um, and it, I would, I would give it a shot. I've heard, you know, I guess typical hyperbolic, you know, it's a WoW clone stuff about it, but, you know, oh, but it's so not, it's not, I think any game is, is worth giving a shot, uh, to, like, like I said, I enjoy the process of analyzing, you know, the way in which they have implemented MMO tropes. Well, if you really want to analyze something worth analyzing, I, I think it's worth looking at Rift, because Rift has, even though I'm strictly a dilettante, Rift has kind of ruined other MMOs for me. Really? Yeah. The, just, the, you know. the last one I tried that people wrote off as a WoW clone was Ion, and I kind of hated that game. Oh, yes. No. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need Ion? What the heck is that? It's spelled A-I-O-N. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would have expected a more tortured uh, rendition of the vowels, like Aeon. Like something Ion. Like right, right. Uh, and that's isn't that isn't it like a Korean one of those like Korean grind MMOs? I think so. I didn't get very far in it. For right. I don't know. There's there's something about um, responsiveness. Like, does stuff happen quickly when I click something that WoW nails that most other MMOs I've tried 
fail miserably at. You know, I remember talking to you about this, Donnie, and I still don't get that. I mean, I understand <laughs> what what you're saying, but I guess I just don't play them enough. Uh, like you kind of, I, I sort of feel like there's a a way you adjust to different MMOs pacing, and uh-huh. uh, and I guess I also haven't really dug deeply enough into WoW. Like, WoW never became muscle memory for me. Uh-huh. And so for well, you, where I imagine that did happen, you must be much more sensitive to that that sort of responsiveness issue. Yeah, but I that's a, a potential explanation. But really what it is, is it's just so obvious and jarring when you play one of these, I don't know, I, I don't want to say when you play an Asian one, because you know, I'm sure they're not the only ones that are susceptible to this, but they just feel floaty, that's kind of a weird way to put it, but when I play WoW and I move around, um, it's things happen quickly. Like when I hit the strafe button, my character takes a couple steps to the left and stops, and it's all very sort of quick and it feels nice. And when I play Ion or Runes of Magic or Perfect World or one of these other like Korean freemium ones, um, I, I don't get that grounded sense of a character that's moving through a space. I don't know. It doesn't so- feel good. So for you, it has to be crisp, not floaty. Yes. All right. Uh, I will be really curious, Donnie, what you think of DC Universe Online when you try that, because it is, at heart, an action game. Like It's like almost like a brawling game. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'll be curious if those controls work for you. I will uh, endeavor not to play a flying character and then complain about floatiness. Ah, right, because you want them to be floaty. Good right. point. All right. Uh, so do you guys know my other good news this week? I'm no. going to guess that it has to do with Lotro, because that's another MMO that you have. Oh, yo. Yes. Isengard, uh-huh. yeah. Yes. 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 Very good. Now I'm doing the Ed McMahon. Yes. hey <laughs> So uh, the, uh, what is it called? Rise of Isengard? I can't remember yeah, the name I of believe, it. Yeah, I believe it's Rise of Isengard. Yeah, so that just came out. It's, uh, again, it's all upper-level stuff. i I uh, I played a lot of Lord of the Rings online, but I never got to the level cap. And, they, and then they start scooching it up with new content. So it's like oh, one of these targets that keeps moving away from me. And I'm not even out of Moria to the uh, – what do you call the place on the other side of Moria where the elves live? What is that? I can't uh, think of the name of that. Uh, 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 Tom, I was hoping I could bust out a – nah, you know what it was called. I would love to be able to be accused of being a Tolkien nerd, but and as much as I try, it's it's not Rivendell. It's the other place. It's where the elves. Come on, you guys know this. Like oh, where the elves, you know what? It's it's Glorfindel or Galadriel. No, no, no. I actually know this because there's a uh, Glimmerdwin. This is an online art community named after it. It's Lothlorien, right? Lothlorien. Yes. Thank you. Very good. Yes. And you know what? I knew that. I was ha ha. You know what it's called. <laughs> That's what I meant to say. Dang it. So, so they have that content at the end of Moria, and then beyond that is this Rise of Isengard stuff. So even if today I were to jump into Lord of the Rings Online and sort of merrily rediscover my character, I still couldn't go to this cool new Isengard stuff that they're adding. Uh, but at any rate, so that's great news once again. Like the stuff with Rift 1.5, it's a, it's a pull for me. Like I feel like I want to I hunt down an assignment or find some excuse to... to to jump back into one of these two games. So, Tom Chick, what level are you in Lord of the Rings Online? 59? <laughs> I have not played in a long time. I'm going to go with and, 59. Okay, and what class do you play? I'm a minstrel. I'm a healer. Uh, minstrels heal with their music. Because you, okay. don't, take, you don't take health damage. Right, in Lord it's of your Rings morale. Online. Right, and you, when your so, morale falls, yeah, you, music makes your morale go up. That makes perfect sense. Exactly. Uh, 
So you know yeah. what's beyond Rise of uh, Isengard too, right? The next expansion, Rohan, Thunderdome. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait a minute! What are you even talking about, Master? What? Huh? There's no Thunderdome. You're. I. I don't know if you're trying to trick me, but it's not working. We don't need another hero. <laughs> You've been trolled, son. I, I don't think I understand. <laughs> I guess that's the sign of being trolled well, is when you don't even understand. Two elves enter, one elf leaves. <laughs> yes. That's not Lord of the Rings. You guys aren't doing it right. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> Stop it, I'm telling. How about this? Two hobbits enter, one elf leaves. Figure that one out. Doesn't even make sense, Donnie. Ugh. You guys are terrible at trolling. You're just saying nonsense stuff that I don't understand. So I'm not counting it as trolling. So there. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, all right. I fair enough. What you did there, Jason. Uh, Donnie, did you try Lord of the Rings Online in your uh, in your various uh, experimentation with various MMOs? Yes, I absolutely did, uh, and I enjoyed it pretty well. Um, Wait, what level did you get to, Donnie? Oh. Um, I got I got two characters. I think you could only have two in the free to play version. And um, I actually also tried DDO because it was the same company, Turbine. Oh yes. Um, and so I, I was very interested in the some of the similarities between Lotro and DDO. But anyway, uh, in Lotro I had a guardian, and then my other character was um, maybe a captain. I don't remember. <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't get either one much, much past twenty, if at all. Is it? Is there a captain? Really? Yes. Sure. Yeah. Yep. The captain is a uh, sort of a. He's not really a tank. Yeah, I guess he is kind of a tank. He's sort of like a, a brawler melee off tank type. Yeah, the guardian's definitely the traditional tank, and the captain. The captain. One of the cool things about the captain is he gets a little guy that tags along with him and carries his flag. It's like having oh, right, a manservant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, McMaster, I think of you as as my manservant. It's like if I was a captain class, you would be the guy who'd come along with me and carry the flag. You can be the captain, and I will draw the chart. I don't. Are you trying to troll me? I don't know what that is. Is that from Star oh, Trek? Yes. No. It's a uh, it's a rush lyric. I, I, you know what? I was I was wondering if that was some kind of weird reference to prog rock or something. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. <clears throat> Uh, all right, so there's uh, all of our various news stories of the week. Let's get to some real meat and potatoes here, McMaster. Okay. Let's do games of the week. All right, all right. Who wants to go first? I want you to go first, McMaster. <laughs> I want to get this League of Legends talk out of the way. <laughs> all right, all right. So my game of the week is League of Legends. Wait and... a minute. Haven't you done League of Legends before? Well, sure, yeah. Well before Dead Island Month. Every week is <laughs> League of Legends week. Um, no, uh, this is, there's a new mode in League of Legends, so it's like an entire new game. And yeah, I Tom. used a news story once, I think, and so I'll talk about it again. Watch me. Um, See if I don't. <laughs> to World of Warcraft fans, uh, the new Dominion mode is like Arathi Basin. Except you control a little dude who runs around and says things, and he shoots other little dudes, and sometimes he dies, and sometimes he doesn't. So I'll go lumber mill. You go blacksmith. Tom, yeah. you go stables. Wait, I, why am I going to stables? You guys make it sound like I have to go clean the stables out. I don't want to. 
What if I wanted to go to, like, the gold mine? It kind of is... That is kind of like what it is, because the stables is the closest one to the, the spawn point. So, you know, you send the the guy who doesn't know what he's doing to stables to grab stables. So what am I supposed to do when I get over there? I just park there and make points, right? Just just click on a flag and, and then hang out. I think I can do that. Okay. It's something like that in League of Legends. Now, McMaster, so this is your game of the week, so you've obviously been playing uh, Dominion's mode. Uh, is it going to replace non-Dominion's mode for you? You know, I guess maybe for the time being, I've been playing a lot more of it just because it's fast. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the longest game I think I've had of it's been 25 minutes. Are the, are the queues quick? They're super quick. In fact, they're like 30 seconds. So wow. I actually haven't played League of Legends in, in a few months, but I really like it, so I'm, I'm excited to talk about this with you. Yeah, it's uh, they've made a bunch of interesting changes. Well, I mean, for Dominion. Specifically, the fact that, you know, in this mode, you start with, I think, 1350 gold. You start at level 3. You constantly gain experience, and you gain maybe, God, you gain quite a bit of gold. You gain, like, 3 gold a second, or maybe faster than that. But, um, And you just kind of level as you fight over these uh, points. Like, if you capture one of them, it turns into a tower. So, uh, do you get extra experience for kills and all that good stuff oh yes yeah you get extra like there is a creep which they uh they thought about not having but it's kind of interesting it's really bizarre but like once you take a point creep starts coming out of the uh, out of that area and like filtering towards the closest untaken point and um on the enemy team you mean yes okay and uh once it uh, hits that point, it'll start attacking it, and that starts dropping the enemy team's control of it. Of course, the tower's hitting it the whole time. But if they knock it out of enemy control, they can then, you know, keep hitting it until it goes into your control. Now, you don't really see that happen very often. But you see it happen to, like, where it might get to the close to the point of them taking it to neutral. And that, of course, means, you know, you don't you control less points, so you're not either... You know, causing the enemy team to lose points, or you are losing points yourself. So this um, this seems like an ex- extremely uh, snowbally type of game mode. It's the craziest thing. Um, I've played games where we were winning by you know, it, like both teams started five hundred. And I've played many, games real quick. How many points are there? Uh, like oh, capture points five. Yes. Okay, five. Um, and it's kind of cool. crazy because uh, the map itself is completely uh, fog of war, except for the ring around the outside, which has all of the capture points in it, and one spot in the center, which has like the super buff that spawns every now and then. Um, there's no real creep in the jungle; they're only like filtering from point to point. Um, but the games are really fast. Um, and it, they've, uh, they're really volatile. It's really strange. Like I was saying, you, you, I've seen games where I've been winning by 300 points and ended up losing. Um, that happened when I was playing one today, in fact. We were win- winning by, I think, 200 to about 40, and the other team managed to hold out long enough to play where we lost, which was ridiculous. But anyway... Um, so it's it's just really bizarre. Um, I've, got, I've got so many questions for you, Jason McMaster. Uh, <laughs> Please. So so my favorite character in the the you know regular game mode that I've played 
is I haven't actually tried every character, but the favorite, my favorite of the ones that I have played is Warwick. So is there not really, you know, it sounds like there's not the same kind of mechanic where you have a jungler on your team. No, but, you know, the big thing with Warwick that's not bad is his uh, blood scent or whatever it is. Like, because the range of it is so big on a map like that, if you get somewhere in the middle of the jungle and anybody's below half, you you know, you'll see them. Yeah. So, you know, that's good. Also, um, when someone starts taking a tower, the tower stops attacking. But if you can, like, knock them out of their channel or whatever to take the tower, it, it will attack them if they attack you back. So one great thing about Warwick is someone taking a tower, you hit, like, his uh, his ultimate and just, like, jump them and knock them out of it. And he's, like, attacking right. them, and they're getting hit by the tower. So, yeah, he's actually – he's pretty cool. And, of course, I love, the, you know, all of his, like, health regen stuff. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, the – buff guy in the middle have, did they use one of the ones from the other map like dragon or baron or did they come up with a new one no it's just like this crystal that spawns there and there's one for either team and you just go and channel it and it gives you it makes you grow like really large you shoot lightning out every now and then to hit nearby enemies and uh i think you get like some health regen or something like so that so it does only the person that goes does that get the buff right Okay, so you kind of have, like, maybe you've got one, like, all-star on your team that's, like, the person who needs to go get the buff every time or whatever, maybe? Right, or, you know, somebody... Or I guess, have they not really... Has the community not figured out a huge, like, set-in-stone metagame yet? Not really. You know, the big thing I've seen so far is, like... The way you spawn on either side, and there's one point top. There's two points at either exit of your uh, base. So, you know, of course you want somebody to run down and capture the bottom point um, for your team. And then you want somebody to capture the top point for your team. But then the actual very, the center top point, you always, I've started seeing a lot of people just kind of rushing that with several characters to Mm -hmm. contend it because you can get that three, two advantage pretty fast, which reminds me of like the lumber meal mill. Right. That's something that was so interesting about, um, a Rathi Basin compared to you know a, a game like League of Legends, uh, Summoner's Rift, was that you know in, in AB you had you know this very fluid sort of you know how is the enemy going to open? How are we going to respond to that? Like this is our this is our plan to open, but we're going to do this if the enemy you know does this other thing. Whereas in Summoner's Rift, there's kind of a you know other oh, than other than uh, sometimes the enemy team will decide to, you know, go gank an incautious jungler who's not waiting by their tower at the start of the game. And, you know, you got silly stuff like that that happens. But otherwise, it's, it's fairly, you know, the same. Yeah, yeah, for the most part, it is pretty set in stone. Um, yeah, and this one's just, it's crazy. It's like a constant running. So fast characters are are pretty mm-hmm. good. Like, uh, yeah. I play Gangplank a bit, but the one, uh, the character I guess I play the most right now is funny because it's one of my favorites from the original game that got nerfed so bad that he's kind of not as good anymore, which is Twitch. Is, uh, he's, uh, actually pretty awesome, uh, yeah. I found in Dominion because of his, uh, 
you know, just the stealth being able to move around right. and like grab points while they're trying to attack something else and just harass. And of course, you know, sheer damage. I mean, so I guess I don't know. Fast characters pretty advantageous. So misfortune, but it oh, sounds yeah. like maybe there's going to be you know creeps wandering through the jungle if they're you know moving along a line from one base to oh, the no. next. So you've gotta... no, they go they go around the outer circle and fight. Oh, do they? Okay. So yeah, the jungle is it's weird because the jungle is like there's at certain points there's little health buffs and then there's little points where it's a speed buff, a temporary speed buff. And other than that, there's the big like bonus thing in the center. And that's yeah. like all the jungle is. It's just kind of a uh, weird. It's it's like just a quicker way to get from one. So if you wanted to capitalize on your speed boost, if you were playing Misfortune, for example, you'd want to move from point to point in the jungle instead of around the edge so that you were yeah, absolutely. Or, hit or whatever. Or, yeah, or Teemo or yeah. um, Heimerdinger's pretty popular um, I've seen so far just because, you know, leaving the turrets. All right. Um, Donnie, why haven't you tried this yet? Uh, I just haven't taken the time to uh, open up League of Legends and patch it okay. lately. Um, I do really like the game, though, and I, you know, Warwick is definitely my favorite character, and it sounds like he would do pretty pretty decently in this new game mode. So uh, I want to share oh. with you guys an anecdote that, that says to me the sorry state that James games journalism is in these days. Uh, I was just at this press event, and uh, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, and there were a bunch of us talking, and I was trying to think up, I was trying to remember the name of the chick with the, the goggles and the little musket that she shoots. All I could come up with... Tristana. Ah! I wasn't even close. Mm-hmm. I mean, I kept, thinking, I kept thinking Annie, but that's the chick with the bear. Uh, right. Nobody knew. Nobody could remember Tristana's name. Really? Uh, and I just think that that's a, that's a sad... All these games journalists in a room, dudes who you'd think would know this, nobody could remember Tristana's name. They were like, yeah, the girl with the gun, and uh, nobody knew. I just think mm-hmm. that that's a terrible thing. Well, you have to ask your psychotically obsessed friends. That's a problem. Yeah. Or maybe, yeah, there you go. Uh, although I think that's not, I mean, that's pretty evident because she's like a, one of the basic characters, right? She's been there forever. Right. Everybody knows who she is. She's really annoying when she's on the other team, right? <laughs> she yeah. can be, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She's pretty fun in the new mode, and I'll tell you why. Because you start at level three and you're constantly trickling experience and getting experience for kills and taking points, etc., your game builds really fast. So characters like Tristana that take a while to build up in a regular, like, Summoner's Rift game, they, uh, they're they just, like, accelerated. And so that's oh, why, yeah. you know, Twitch is interesting. Scion is kind of interesting to me right now. I've seen some Scions do some serious damage. It's, um, uh, it, it's funny that some of those characters that are hit or miss, like, if they've done you know ramp up their experience well enough in the early game that they start to get to their like quote-unquote overpowered in-game state you know oh, yeah like if you're if you have a tristan on your enemy team and the game is short enough that she can't get all the really big expensive items then you're just kind of like hey, whatever but if she right. has all that full build then i mean she just starts auto attacking you and it's kind of like boom 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 and you're dead it's crazy yeah you get your ultimate in Dominion probably around three or four minutes in sometimes, you know, so you're you're pretty much blasting through the levels. You know, there's been a couple of games that ended before I hit 18, but not many. Um, and they're usually, you know, I played, I think, a 13-minute game 
Um, so yeah, they're they're pretty fun. All right, now you know, McMaster, you can't pick this for your game of the week next week. I don't know. If you're aware of that. I know. Well, you know, I'll have uh, I'm reviewing Dark Souls, and I'll have uh, Rage as well. So I'm sure I can talk about one of those. So yeah, that's right. Send in your guesses. Will Dark Souls or Rage be Jason L. McMaster's game of the week next week? Uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to buy it right away, but man, I'm really interested to see what they do with Dark Souls. Yeah, well, I, I played it for like a, a couple of minutes at E3. I uh, black sold into somebody's game because mm-hmm. it. Like I adored a lot of the stuff that they did design-wise in Demon Souls, and especially the environment design. But I did not like a lot of their choices. Uh, game mechanics. Like, I don't, I'm not a big fan of level grinding anymore. You know, I used to love JRPGs and I've kind of gotten over my, uh, in, interest in compulsively grinding stuff. So, you know, if they pulled that whole soul level mechanic out of Demon's Souls, I don't think the game would have suffered at all. Um, no, probably not. You know, it's, God, that's such a crazy game. I got, I got really obsessed with it when I, I was uh, first got my original review copy. Yeah. Hours. And, and hours. you know, that the combat was so tactical that you, I mean, it, I just was, I, I kind of marveled at the time when I first played it that, you know, getting better at the game is modeled not by numbers going up, but by you getting better at the game, which is... Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's awesome, and it, it's... It's stupid to sound so exuberant about it, but, you know, uh, I don't know. Just It wasn't really something I thought of because I was so used to the idea that a role-playing game models, you know, your skill, your your improving skill at combat by numbers going up. You know what else is like that, Donnie? Hmm. Dead Island. (laughs) I'll tell you, one of my biggest, like, pet peeves in the world when it comes to role-playing games has to be things that level with you. Uh-huh. I really love games like uh, Gothic 2, for instance, where everything is the level it is. Yeah. Right, from when the game starts to the end. You know, I, I I like the idea of being able to level up and then come back to an area that was hard and just destroy if I want it. Like the problem that. I have with that, McMaster, I like that in theory, but the problem is it then sort of is used to clamp down on this idea of an open world. Like when when things are always the level they are, uh, it really limits how much freedom you have to go places. And if you're okay with that, that's fine. Um, but one of the advantages of something like Oblivion, with that approach, where all things sort of level with you, is that you can then go anywhere. It, it really is more a, a truly open world uh, when they do it that way. Yeah, that's something that's such a hairy topic. Like, I, I really feel kind of the way you go with that has to be tailored to each individual game. Like, it's, right. it's such an important decision because, you know, with Oblivion, I'm sure you get stuff like it's, you know, oh, this, you know, you go to the the relatively normal forest late in the game, so now there's level 90 wolves running around, and I just hate that kind of stuff. Yeah, that really bothers me, too. You know, that's um, like... but I But I don't know how you do it better. Um so uh, I don't know. Well, yeah, it's a design philosophy. I mean, that's right. the thing is, if you uh, if you want to be able to go anywhere in the world and not have otherwise, to me, it, I'm kind of the opposite. And that to me, it feels contrived when this forest has level one wolves, but this forest has level fifty wolves. So I'm not allowed to go to that forest, but I can stay in this forest. And then later in the game, if I go back to the level one wolf forest, 
there's really no point being there and everything's gray and suddenly these wolves I had to fight, they don't even pay any attention to me anymore. Uh, I, I tend to kind of prefer this, this, this approach where things level with you, at least from the perspective of world building. Uh, I think I would, in general, prefer, you know, a model that, you know, there are wolves in this forest that's near your starting town, but in this further away forest, there are wolves, and they're still the same wolves, so now, you know, that you're super badass, by the time you get there, they're a little scared of you, but then there are also ogres or whatever. I don't know, it's, it's, I kind of like what um, Dragon Age 2 did, actually, where I would love to know kind of what numbers and algorithms they used, because it felt like stuff was getting tougher with you but the choices you made if you made them intelligently each time you leveled like your new abilities and your new your new stuff kind of just satisfyingly just barely outstripped the improvements that the enemies got so that you know stuff leveled with you but you leveled or you didn't level but your power increased a little bit more than theirs did in a, in a kind of a satisfying way does that make sense how did Fallout work? Fallout uh, had didn't everything have a preset level there? Which Fallout? Fallout like the three? first ones? No, 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 Fallout three. Fallout three was level with you. Fallout three New Vegas preset levels. Oh, you know what? That's what I'm thinking of because you could go north from your little starting area. Oh, and, and these, get like, murdered. Yes. Yeah, by these beetle things. That, yeah, that's uh, right. Man. Razor claws. No, they weren't quite razor claws. They were some kind of beetles or something. Maybe they are beetles. Yeah, there was something, there, but it was clearly, like, way over-leveled above you. I mean, it was clearly Bethesda or Obsidian saying, hey, you can't go this way yet, dummy. You know, turn around, go, go south. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right, so let's see. Where were we? So that was uh, that was all from McMaster's choice of League of Legends Dominion. Is this game of the week? Is that right? Yes. All right, McMaster, when are you going to stop playing League of Legends and play something else? Oh, I play all sorts of stuff. That's I actually... Is, actually. I limit I limit myself to maybe uh, you know an hour a day at most. I try to. Well, I just want you to know, McMaster, your Lord of the Rings online character isn't going to level itself. <laughs> That's true. I do have one. He's like level seven or something. But All right. Is he a burglar? What What is he? <sighs> Probably. I don't, I don't <laughs> you don't even remember. <laughs> you are no MMO player, sir. I know. Uh, all right, World I'm going to do my game of the week, and we'll save uh, the best for last. So, Donnie, you're going to go last as long as you pick Dead Island. Uh, <laughs> my game of the week, I, I posted about this, so I won't say too much about it. I, I wrote it up for uh, for the forum, or for the front page, quarter to three. Uh, I jumped back into Dead, Red Dead Redemption, and I'm not even sure why I did that. I just... Uh, oh, I about this. I wish I could have joined you. Oh, wait, have you done yeah, that? me too. Oh. Yeah, so so last night we had uh, we had about ten folks that uh, tried to get in. Only a couple of folks couldn't get in, but we had a good turnout. Uh, we then broke up. We we messed around in some of the free roam areas, and then broke up and did some of the co-op missions. Uh, but I just I really like you know I have some problems with the with Rockstar's uh, idea of storytelling as far as a single player game, but as far as world building, and I love the gunplay in it, uh, and I I love the way that they've laid out. A sense of level progression in the multiplayer, uh, and I love the Undead Nightmares uh, add-on, especially the single player in that. Uh, so I've just been having a great time rediscovering uh, Red Dead Redemption. And when you talk about horse physics, man, those guys just did a great job with their horse physics. Uh, I I think a lot of people complained about the driving model in Grand Theft Auto 4, uh, 
but I loved that it had so much personality, you know, that it wasn't like the Saints Road driving model, which is just brain dead, just drive stuff around and bounce off walls all you want. Uh, Grand Theft Auto 4's driving model had a lot of personality, and they bring some of that approach to the to what a pain in the ass the horses can be oh, in yeah. uh, Red Dead Redemption, and I really respect that. Uh, I love that game. I, I really, really loved it as well. I wish I could have joined you for that, but I have the PS3 version of the game. Uh, you a Sony fanboy. Nice work. Oh, man, we get to uh, we get to have you troll me about my gamer score now. This is exciting. What's your gamer score, Donnie Moore? I have no clue. That, I don't believe you. I it's, don't believe I, it. It's, that. I, I think that it's, when you say you have <laughs> no clue, that means it's under 1,000. I think it's in the neighborhood of 9,000, but I don't know the actual... Uh, you know, number. I couldn't tell you what each digit. It, it's just in the neighborhood of nine thousand. Because like, I kind of don't care. Well, you it's don't a, care because you're a Sony fanboy. We've figured this out by now. <laughs> well, it's to me, it's it's a kind of a contextless number, which is Johnny, why I don't care about it. How many platinum trophies do you have? Oh, uh, I think I've got one, and it's for uh, Lego Harry Potter, which was. The best uh, of the Lego games that have come out so far. I agree with that. But by the yeah, way, they're really good. Yeah. Uh, and so you you actually have a, a platinum trophy. Well done. You I care, do. You care about trophies. You don't care about gamer score. Is that correct? Yeah. I, I guess it's. I don't know. It's a weird thing, but the trophies kind of look like a little tan. You know, digital tangible item. Uh, Moore, what level are you on the PlayStation Network? Can, I didn't know you could be a level on the Aha! Yes, there are definitely levels. Uh, you okay. fill up a little XP bar. I don't know what level I am because it's it's not something they show you very prominently. But oddly enough, the PlayStation Network does. Your, your yeah. profile does have a level. But, Master, what level are you on the PlayStation Network? Um, probably not very high. I, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, you really know, glad... I... Go ahead, Jason. McMaster. I wanted to say, Tom, uh, you used a line from one of my favorite movies ever. And your Redemption multiplayer is still unlike anything else uh, for your after the jump. Is it where I quoted Star Wars? No. <laughs> and give us, give us the line, Jason L. McMaster, because it's a great it's, line. It's a hell of a thing, killing a man. You mean, yeah, that one, take yeah. away all he's got and all he's ever going to have. And then the response to that, let's, now I'm gonna, let's do the scene, McMaster. I'm the Schofield kid. You are William Money. Are you ready? Let's do some Chick McMaster theater. Okay. <laughs> Let's see if we can pull this off. So give us, give me the line. Uh, all right, here we go. Ready, ready. Yep. Yep. It's a hell of a thing, killing a man. Take away all he's got and all he's ever gonna have. Yeah, well, well, I guess he had it coming, right, Clint Eastwood? We all got it coming, kid. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> well done, after. That's a great movie. Uh, I was worried you weren't going to get that the response right. I was worried you were going to flip that, but uh, you pulled it off. Well done. I'm impressed. Uh, and that's the thing too. Like if you like westerns, man, Red Dead Redemption just the just the lighting and the vistas and uh, it's just it, it's so evocative. God, that did, game looks terrific. Uh, did you it use really does. fast travel at all when you played Red Dead Redemption, Tom? Well, that's the thing is now that I am uh, just sort of running around doing achievements. Yeah, I'm just fast traveling right okay. now. I, I hate it. I always fast travel in that game. I hate fast travel in that game, and I wish, wish, wish. You know what? I'm of this. I guess I'm just weird in that I'm of this school of thought that I remember when 
video games were willing to be challenging and potentially punishing for the sake of creating worlds. And we, you know, you guys were talking about MMOs being brutal earlier, and I love this idea of there being a real risk of, of losing experience points. Similarly, I love this idea of having to actually spend the time to go the places you want to go. In Red Dead Redemption, I can instantly jump down to Nosalitas on one side or Blackwater on the other, just in the in the press of a button. There's no sense of their distance from each other, and it kind of robs the game of a, of a sense of geography, I, I think. Uh, so, I, I guess, I don't know, this is another interesting topic. Like uh, People complain about stuff being in a game, um, and then, you know, the sort of snide response is always, well, just don't use it. But then some people right. are like, well, you know. Right. So that's that's kind of a funny debate. I actually never used fast travel when I played uh, because I really enjoyed the, the setting and the environment and the world. And I kind of liked riding between the little various small outposts of civilization. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just didn't use it because, uh, I don't know, I... I'd, well, to be I was fair, never compelled to, I guess, because I, I enjoyed looking at the scrub, you know? Well, and they, they do uh, put gameplay in those bits. Like, that's how you run into the strangers. I am notoriously short of doing those stranger missions because oh, yeah. I didn't run into There's, like, I guess, what, 15 of them in there, and I've only got, like, I think five of them. But uh, And there's the little dynamic missions, too, where, like, somebody's stealing somebody else's horse, and you can run oh, down right, the so oh, they do. Yeah, yeah. They do pepper incentive in there. They, they drop little bits of incentive in there to encourage you to actually ride around from place to place. I just wish they'd, I don't know, done it a little better. Or you know what? Maybe charged you a token fee to fast travel. I, I don't know. I just I, I need a, 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 a fairly strong gameplay incentive to do things. Mm-hmm. And uh, if it's not there, I just don't trust myself. I will. I will save anywhere. I will abuse, you know, that system. Uh, I will fast travel. Uh, <laughs> game, game designers don't trust me to make your game good. I need you right. to do that for me. I'm, I'm thrilled that you chose a Red Dead Redemption because now we can geek out about open world action games. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I want to ask you something real quick, Tom. Uh, yeah. So somebody pointed out to me in my Your Daily McMaster that Rage has. Uh, it does have like upgrading weapons and stuff like that. Is that true? Yes, yes. There's an economy there. Uh, I don't know if you've seen like when you play it. Uh, you're running around. You're picking up. It, it's got a, a bit of that urban decay or, or what did we call it? Urbex. Urbex. Yeah. Urbex. Yeah. I mean, you're running around. You're picking up uh, just junk, and then you can assemble it into. I'm pretty sure – I know you assemble it into some of the consumables, which are like the boomerangs that you throw, and right. you need it to assemble these these uh, these things that break open locks, and uh, they have stuff like that. And I'm not sure about the weapon upgrade system, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was part of their whole little, like, crafting minigame. Uh, now, I don't think, though – like, I'm with you, McMaster, in that I, I think – what they're going for in Rage is a more traditional shooter. Like, I don't yeah. think there's leveling or a skill tree. It's nothing compared to, like, Dead Island. Uh, and I think that's what you're right. getting at. And it's nothing like unlocking all the, the defenses in Horde 2.0 and Gears of War 3. Uh, but there is definitely some crafting stuff there. And I, if you consider those RPG elements, I guess you would say it does have minor RPG elements. Hmm. Uh, and also, I don't know, Is do we think of Rage... Uh, and I don't know for sure. Do we think of that as an open world game? No, okay. I don't. I don't. But I also don't think of like 
Borderlands or anything like that is an open world game either, really, because they're. But I, you know, I haven't really played Rage, so I don't was, know. I don't know. It's kind of a, an odd, oddly specific set of of choices that a game designer has to make for it to me to to seem like an open world game. Like I, I didn't think of Dead Island as one, just because. I mean, I fully understand the perspective that you know each of these little areas is is very big and you can do a lot of stuff and wander around in a lot of different areas but um it's still you know I, maybe my opinion doesn't matter so much because i was in the hotel so obviously it was corridors but it, it just it did feel like corridors yeah i think if you unless you have a i can't imagine what you would consider an open world game if you think that, like dead island isn't uh it's pretty open world, well it? you know it's- just just cause two obviously but then, well, uh, so you're right. So, so I guess what you could say then is that Dead Island is like four. Is it each of the four areas? I guess four open worlds, and the worlds are smaller than Just Cause. Yeah. Uh, like it definitely is segmented into acts in a way right. that Just Cause isn't. Yeah. Um, and you're right. You can't just like see a city across the bay and walk towards it. You're gonna have to right. hit a little teleportation portal, and it's gonna load that new section. So in yeah. that regard, you're right. It's not open world in the sense of Just Cause or, or Grand Theft Auto Four. Uh, but I, uh, yeah, I guess I tend to be more forgiving because I, unlike McMaster, I would even call Borderlands an open world game. See, uh, and I, I don't, I don't know the the areas that you run around in are, um, I don't know, there's something very walled in about them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and and when it comes to a game like a Grand Theft Auto or uh, even Red Dead Redemption, you know, you don't encounter that feeling of walled inness unless you are you know at the edge of the world mm-hmm. this is kind of always how i've thought of it okay well then let's do a quick uh, round around the table here and then we'll go on to uh, donnie's game of the week but what is the best open world game ever starting with jason l mcmaster go oh god uh-huh. <laughs> oh my favorite's probably gothic too but i think maybe the coolest is ultima 7 Wow, I did not expect you to... Re- oh, you know what? I'm going to out-retro you, McMaster. With- oh, bring it. <laughs> Donnie, what would well, you pick? Well, now, he's talking about sort of open-world RPGs, and I'm talking about open-world third-person action games, which is that's a, fine. Sure. Kind of a very different thing. That, if that's what you want to pick, wait till you see what I got. Oh, huh. Well, I, I need you to pick, Donnie, the one that I am uh, I would normally pick, but I'm not going to because I have to out-retro McMaster. Right, um, okay. Well, see, to me, it's it's going to depend very much on, like, like there are very different things you can get out of different ones. So, you know, Red Dead Redemption is definitely one of my favorites. You know, Just Cause 2 is also one of my favorites, but for de- very different reasons. So, I don't know. We, we, need, over, we need a best ever. Yeah. Best overall, ever, right? overall, I'm going to go with Just Cause 2. Exactly. Thank you, Donnie. Uh, <laughs> So, so I would pick that, but since Donnie stole my choice, I remember, and I played this on the Apple II, and I oh, could God. be wrong, but I'm pretty sure you could go anywhere when this one started, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bet that neither of you guys has even heard of it, and good lord, I hope I'm not misremembering the title, but I seem to recall, uh, of course, top down 2D. This is an Apple IIe, of course, uh, a game where you were in a city. That was occupied by uh, like like robots, like government 
sponsored state, like a repressive state run by robots, and you were like a member of the resistance. And you could run around and do stuff, and eventually you had to break into the headquarters and topple the big head CPU one. And I even finished this game, and you get a little fireworks thing in the credit screen. Uh, but it was a game called 2400 AD. Is that even right? Is that ringing any bells for either of you guys? It sounds familiar, but um, my my computer experience back in those days was you know we didn't have a computer uh, in the very early days, so well, I, I'm know. pretty sure I have this right. I, I could be mistaken, but and, and I'm not even sure if it was that open in my memory. It was open that you could go anywhere and do anything you wanted, but you had to do quests and stuff. But I think 2400 AD, which predates uh, McMaster's Precious Ultima game that he picked, <laughs> I'm going to go with that. Uh, I should have went with Wasteland. <laughs> See? There you go. I should have uh, gone. But, but we got a good spread of games mentioned. So, <laughs> uh, all right. I can't believe you wouldn't pick San Andreas. Or somebody didn't mention San Andreas. That's such a great open world game. Well, it is, but um, I don't know. It's Since then, I don't know. I guess I haven't played it in a while. But to me, since then, it's been eclipsed as far as just, you know, outrageous, you know, Action, both by Saints Row 2 and by Just Cause 2. Well, Saints Row. Um, and then, and then as far as a, a, a you know an actual narrative, then there are other games that kind of eclipse it for Donnie, that reason as well. Let me ask you, Donnie, can you ride a bicycle in Saints Row 2 or Just Cause 2? <laughs> oh, that is a very good point. <laughs> I just think CJ's the man. Yeah, that's all I got to say. I really loved um, the way they kind of. Like so, to me, you know, the the character in GTA Three is just a you know stupid mute cipher. In yeah. um, in Vice City, you've got uh, Tommy Versetti, who's sort of this almost kind of cheerful psychopath. You know, he seems to have some kind of um, limited concern for the well-being of people that he is forced to be kind of pals with by his circumstances. Um, but he's perfectly happy to say, I'll be back in five minutes and run to the mall and, you know, blow the heads off a bunch of people shopping at the mall. Um, and then so I love the, what they did with CJ after they had him. You know, he's sort of this just, you know, also kind of not quite cheerfully psychopathic, but just like this sort of guy who's just kind of going along with the flow and he winds up doing all kinds of messed up murderous rampagey things you know those are great games but it can't be i I think unless it's got a bolo santosi in it i don't (laughs) think it's a complete package bolo santosi yeah Uh, all right so let's get to the best and last game of the podcast donnie moore as our guest we've asked you here today to tell us what is your choice for game of the week i'm expecting great things donnie well i hope i've got great things to share with you um this is the only like new new game I've played recently, mm. not just new to me. Hey, you know what, Donnie? Make huh? us make us guess. Like, can you oh. like dole out clues and me and McMaster can have a contest? Okay. Well, well, this game just came out at the beginning of the week. All right. All right. Oh, oh, well, that kind of narrows it down. What came out this week, McMaster? And FIFA 12, NHL 12, Gears of War. I'm, I'm not FIFA. necessarily talking about Wait, like a, a Tuesday release special. type of thing. Oh, mm. that's a weird clue. Uh, ah, um, so an arcade game, maybe? This is a game that is um, a beta now at this point. Uh, oh, oh, Battlefield 3. 
No. Diablo no. 3. No, no. Oh, man, I kind of wish. Or, like, I yeah. Diablo 3 beta, but no. Chick. It's a uh, it's an indie game. Um. Oh, that zombie thing where your wife is the tutorial. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> no. I said I just I uh, I'm gonna remember till the end of my days. <laughs> that thing where your wife is the tutorial. That was no, crazy. you guys don't know that game. It's like some open world zombie game, and you're taking care of some woman, and it. Turns out she's your wife. I don't. I, I didn't play it. I heard about it. Uh, Turns out she's your wife, and she's the tutorial. And well, it's fan. <laughs> well, obviously, okay. So it's not that an indie game that's in beta. Wow, this is a tough one. Okay, what's the first letter of the name, Donnie? A. Oh, is it that? Ah, ah. The, the first letter of the name is A, and that, that is the indefinite article A. Oh, a a valley without wind. That is it. What do I win? McMaster, you owe me 20 bucks. <laughs> Sweet Jesus. <laughs> I'm so glad you're playing this because I have been following their press releases and I love what they're trying to do. I don't know if they're going to pull it off. I knew it was in beta. So yeah. good. That's awesome. You were here to tell us about A Valley Without Wind. Yeah. Uh, and so take it away. Well, I I kind of – there's a, actually a pretty long thread on quarter to three about this game, and I've kind of – um, you know, originally I wasn't too sold on the art style, um, and that's that was a common complaint in the thread. Um, now, tell us what it is. Like, for people who don't know, it's, it's a crazy name. I love the name. But yeah. in a nutshell, how would you describe this game? Um, it's almost in the vein of a game like ActRaiser. And they even kind of themselves have... I don't even know what that is. <laughs> you don't know what ActRaiser is? ActRaiser, it sounds like... Isn't that some... Uh, I, I, no, it's a, it's a JRPG, right? Well, it is a Japanese game. It, it was a Super Nintendo game, um, and it was a an interesting little game that kind of mixed platforming with city building. So in ActRaiser, you you were kind of playing as this god who is trying to reclaim his powers, and so you've got this little uh, floating little uh, Greek-looking, you know. Parthenon type building that, that floats on a cloud, and you're looking at this world from above, and you 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 navigate your little cloud temple over an area, and then you go down into that area, and it takes you to a platforming level, and then you kind of go through that that level and kill enemies and you know gather little bits of treasure that are worth points, and you know at the end you kill a boss and you've got spells you can equip and once you've done that you open that little area of the game to building a city uh, and your score that you got in the platforming level kind of reflects the I think it's like the the ceiling of your population for the town in that area so then you, you go into a very simplified sort of um, more tightly designed little city building thing after you've done these little platforming levels. and Wait, hold, hold that thought a second. McMaster, did you play this game? No, no. Why wasn't I alerted to this? Because this sounds like something I would have loved. What's going it's on awesome. here? It's great. Good lord. Um, All right, so, so they've cited this as a, an inspiration for A Valley Without Wind? Well, I don't know exactly that they've done that. What happened is they, they kind of got to a certain point with developing this game and then realized, oh, hey, this kind of 
incorporates uh, um, the okay. same elements that Actraiser does. You know, a combination of side scrolling and city building. All right. Um, and it's a pretty interesting little um, combination of of mechanics. Uh, and the game is, you know, still kind of early on. Um, I think they are going to need a lot of sort of iterating on their um, their hooks, you know, their gameplay loops. Uh, but it's got the makings of, and you know, I've I've already been compelled to play quite a lot of it. And you know, they have their their little bug tracker system that they use is kind of open to registration by. Um, by the people who have, have so far purchased the uh, the beta, and so so the beta is for people who pre-order. Is that the idea? It's not like an open beta. It's kind of like a it's kind of like a Minecraft thing where you know you can now right. buy the game for for half of what its ultimate retail value will be. So you know it, I think ultimately they're shooting for a, a price of twenty bucks. So if you buy the the beta um, right now, you know you can pay ten bucks for it. Now and tell then, us. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, tell us who the folks are who make this, because I think this is an important part of the. Oh story. yeah, it's uh, I, it's Arson Games, I guess. That's A R C E N Arson, uh, and they. I haven't really played their other big game. I played a little bit of Tidalis, mm-hmm. uh, but then their other big game is AI War, and I haven't played that. Now I'd assumed it was Arkin, but I could be wrong. I, Ar- when you say Arson, I think they're going to burn something down. Right. I don't know. That's that's why I spelled it so that you know <laughs> they, they, people would think it's A R S O N. Uh, all right, so. Uh, Describe for us a little bit of the moment-to-moment gameplay. Well, you kind of start out and you're in a side-scrolly area that is kind of your main settlement, um, and then I guess the uh, the narrative and the world-building conceit is that um, the world has been like shattered, and all these little what they call time shards are kind of thrown together in a big jumble so there's all these little areas you know so your your main character that you start off with and the other few npcs that you have in your little town area are from the from an ice age from like the next ice age that occurs on earth you know sometime in the future and then so that's kind of the area you start in the game is an ice age and then you eventually you'll find you know people from the pre-industrial age and like other folks from other time shards as they call it uh so but you start out in a little 2d section of your settlement and you have these little uh i don't know helper dudes called ilari that are basically just like floating glowy chunks of crystal and so you kind of go through a a quick little tutorial task to kind of guide you through um the concepts of crafting a spell and you know equipping it on your uh, on your ability bar and and that kind of thing. So, but give um, us like a, a later example, like once you've gone through all the tutorial and starting stuff, just describe a little average session, like what okay, you might do later on. So you would leave your settlement and then you're on um, a world map, and that's divided into grids, mm-hmm. and each grid kind of displays on it uh, what level it is, mm-hmm. and then you have the concept of a civilization level. So you're not leveling your character as you play. You're leveling your civilization. Uh, because when your character dies, um, it's dead. And you then take over another one of the NPCs um, that lives in your settlement. Ah. And that's the character that you're actually controlling in the platformy bits. Um, and so you kind of it's kind of designed... Uh, and I'm sure that the early game will experience a lot of rebalancing as the beta progresses... 
Um, but it's designed that you kind of unlock um, more of the, the mechanics of the game as you play. Mm-hmm. So you go out to the world map, you go to a, you know the, na- the grid neighboring where your settlement is, it'll be a level one grid. Uh, you enter it, and so you'll go into a little uh, platforming area that'll be you know, also probably part of the Ice Age, which means there'll be snow on the ground, and there'll be in these weird, like, futuristic-looking abandoned snow shelter buildings that you can go into, and um, you kind of uh, are, are searching primarily for bosses so that you can kill them and and gain experience for your civilization. Um, and then it, right now, like, you don't get experience for killing um, just, like, normal enemies that, that populate the, the various areas. Um, so you kind of can explore caverns and explore abandoned buildings, and you'll kind of pick up various bits of loot, um, like health and mana potions. Um, and it's think, a procedurally generated world, right? Like it's not yeah. a preset thing. Yeah, and I've, I've heard a lot of people on Quarter 3 kind of saying that they don't get the platforming, um, and I think that's... Uh, Maybe due to two factors, you know, the, the procedurally generated nature of it means that you don't get a very tightly and tactically designed platforming experience like you would in, say, Castlevania or Super Mario Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really think of the, the 2D sections as a platformer so much because a platformer is generally pretty um, crucially balanced around the way that the character can move and the way in which they can jump, and uh, the, the means through which they can uh, fight or kill or avoid enemies. Um, but this game seems to be a lot more concerned with the mechanics of the different spells that you can craft and use against the enemies. Um, so, I don't know, I, I think that the fact that it's sort of a 2D side-scrolling um, I mean, it, it could understandably lead people to compare it to platformers, but I don't really think that that's what this game is going for or about in its 2D sections. I think it's more about exploration and kind of traversing a 2D game space and making choices about, you know, whether you're going to expend your mana on killing this monster or just jumping over it or, or whatever. Does it have much in common with Terraria? Do you know that game at all? Uh, I do. I love Terraria. I've, I've played Terraria quite a bit. It kind of does. I mean, there's no um, idea in this game like there is in Terraria of, like, breaking a little block of ground and placing it somewhere else, which is, you know, kind of Minecrafty. Um, you do uh, kind of get to spend your, your resources. Like, you can kind of destroy trees and pick up wood, and you can use that wood to craft little platforms. Uh, so you can... You know, it, you know the like little wood platform items in Terraria. Well, you have something that's very much like that in A Valley Without Wind, and you can use those um, to uh, kind of build a little series of platforms up to a higher area that you need to get to or whatever. Um, uh, how how complete does it feel? Like, uh, do you feel like you're getting uh, just like an early look at the experience? Do you feel like you can have the full experience at this point? Oh, yeah, I mean, I would say it's, you know, like I said, it, it probably needs a lot of early uh, game rebalancing, but it, I think I've, I've got a pretty clear grasp of some of the, um, 
the gameplay loop that you're kind of expected to go through. Mm-hmm. Once you get your civilization up to, and I don't know, they may have changed this a little bit in the past day or so, um, but you've got a world map, which you go to when you leave your settlement, and then you also, when you go back to your settlement later after you've gotten up to level three or four or six or whatever it is, you can you know, click your little interact button on one of your glowing crystal friends, and he, that will take you to the strategic map. And looking at the strategic map will kind of show you um, which squares on the grid that are near you have resources on them, and, you know, a lot of times there'll be, um, you know, monsters guarding the resources. So if you go there, there'll be a little mini-boss, and you can kill them, and then, you know, that resource will be kind of available for you to harvest. Um and then there also, there's this idea that there are sometimes roaming packs of monsters, uh, which, oh man, I can't remember the name of it now, but there's like this little flash zombie game where you're kind of, uh, do either one of you know what I'm talking about? There is, it, a, is it the one where uh, your wife is the tutorial? Uh, oh, close. It's not that one. <laughs> anyway, so there's, there's this little flash zombie game that where, you know, there are... Uh, kind of zombies milling about near your little base, but then every once in a while there'll be a horde of zombies that is approaching you. The game will tell you how long it's going to be till that horde of zombies gets to you, and so you have to shore up your defenses so that you'll be able to survive that. Plants versus uh, zombies? Dead uh, Island? Is that... Wait, is that the one where the wife's the tutorial? <laughs> anyway, uh, so there'll be these roaming packs of monsters who'd like demand some kind of a tribute of resources from you, and so, you know, you can go out, back out into the world map and, and go to that grid where they are at the moment and go in there and, and kill them if you don't want to wait for them to get to your base and run amok. Uh, how do you feel about the name of this game? Do you feel it accurately captures the experience of playing? Uh, I'm not sure quite how to answer that. I actually think it's pretty interesting. The name kind of... Uh, makes me think of like Nausicaa and the Valley of Wind. Um, I don't even know what that is. Is, is that like Actraiser? That's a, it's an anime. Oh, by, yeah, you know what? I do know what that is. I've heard of that, but yes, I've never seen it. Right. It's Studio Ghibli, and it's sort of one of his early. Miyazaki, right, right. Yeah, and it's kind of got environmental uh, themes, I guess. And this game doesn't like explicitly have environmental themes, but it, it does have this feeling of, you know this weird uh, kind of unexplained cataclysm has occurred and now we're trying to rebuild and find survivors. Um, uh, Something I do like about this game a lot is there will be other little spots on the grid where you can find survivors and um, you can go to that, that area, you know, you go into that grid and then you go to a little 2d section and you can find a little, spot that lets you build a wind shelter which makes the windstorm in that area stop blowing and then once you've done that like you can go into the strategy view and you can send some of your other npcs to rescue the npcs that are stranded there um and so then those npcs join your settlement and they kind of become your available pool of characters and that's something that i've always thought would be a cool mechanic for a zombie game because in a zombie movie you know one of the terrifying threats of the zombie infection is that if, you know, somebody that's in your group, you know, especially if they're a family member, you know, one of your loved ones, if they, uh, you know, get infected, then not only, 
you know, it's 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 much uh, creepier and more threatening and more disturbing than in a slasher flick, where in a slasher flick, uh, you know, the, the cast of characters is, is being whittled away one by one by the killer. But in a zombie film, once one of your loved ones gets bit, now you have to, not only are they gone, but you now have to deal with them as a zombie as well. That's like in that tutorial where your wife is the tutorial. It's the tutorial, That's right. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so something I've always thought that would be great for a zombie game is, you know, in, in a zombie game, typically if you're, you're playing one character, you know, if you get damaged enough to become infected, it's just, you know, generically a fail state. It's like dying. It's kind of pointless and, and doesn't have any impact. So if you had a zombie game where you were playing as one character in a pool of survivors, and if you screwed up and got that character killed, you know, then you're playing as a different one of your characters. So, it, you know, it's, I like the idea that, you know, you, you're finding survivors, so now your, your pool of potential characters grows, but now, oh, you screwed up and died, so now your, your pool of potential characters, you know, has, has also got the, the, uh, capability of shrinking. That's a, a very cool idea. Uh, when can we play uh, a valley without wind for reals? I haven't a clue. I'm. I, I think it's. You know, certainly some people in quarter three have played it and not really. You know, there's a demo available now, so you can kind of try the game in its um, current state. And some people definitely aren't getting it. Um, some people are are pretty compelled by it. I'm, I'm one of the latter. McMaster, are you going to play a valley without wind? Um, I don't know. How do you feel about the name? It's windy. <laughs> no, it's without wind. You've already, you've got it wrong. <laughs> it looks so, windy from all the trailers and stuff. There's like wind blowing. Right. So yeah, metaphorically, the title is you know, there's this cataclysmic world that's covered in in snowstorms and stuff. So you know the the vaunted valley without wind represents you know a safe area where shelter. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, I get that. I like it. I'm, I'm sold. Uh, yeah. Whatever, man. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to figure out what that thing is where your wife is the tutorial. I can't believe you guys don't know what I'm talking about. I think you're, you made uh, yeah. I think you're trolling us. No, you know what? Someone in the comments section will say, uh, you're talking about game X. Duh. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm sure if you were to Google zombie wife tutorial, that it would come up and we would know right now. Why don't you do that and crash the podcast? Yeah, exactly. You don't want me Googling stuff. Everything will come falling down. Uh, that's true. All right. So uh, once again, this happens every now and then. Uh, the game of the week is something that's not even out yet, uh, but that we can look forward to. Uh, but, yeah, I love those guys at Arkin or Arson, whatever it is, uh, and I'm, I'm glad they're trying. They try really bold stuff. Like, Titulus actually was an outside developer, and they Did published you? it. Whoa, Titulus, huh? What? Oh, you say Tidalis? Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know how it's supposed to be pronounced, but Titulus sounds funny. Well, it yeah. It's like whimsical and funny and cheerful and colorful, like the actual <laughs> Titulus. You're yeah. whimsical. Like I the actual... You're, That's very you're, pretty, you're pretty whimsical, yeah. I am. I like to think of that. Right? I'm, I'm, yeah. Whimsical, windy. I'm windy. Uh, you are. Spooky. I kind of... I thought about trying to uh, make A Valley Without Wind be all three my news posts... Thread ah, right. game because there is a thread about the game on quarter to three. Um, two of the developers are posting in the thread. Right. News um, is that it's uh, you can buy get the beta and start playing now. Right. Right. And, and the uh, the developers are pretty active on their 
on the discussion on their different you know tickets mm-hmm. in their bug tracking system. So I've already actually uh, made several tickets where I you know re- reported minor bugs or made little UI suggestions for the city building section of the game or you know came up with other suggestions that they could do and you know they're very um, they're very open and sort of forthcoming about talking yeah. about their vision for the game and how you know. Uh, like I, I, um, I put in a ticket to to suggest that you be able to walk on top of the roofs of the buildings in the little 2D sections, kind of like you can in Zelda 2. Oh and, yeah. Uh, the uh, the lead developer was like, oh man, yeah, I've almost added that, you know, a, an idea for that feature so many times, but I haven't quite, you know, done it yet. And so you know, they they may very well add that to certain of the. Mm-hmm. areas of the games because, you know, they're kind of paying attention to um, what the players are reacting well to, and, it's, you know, that's kind of cool to see a game developer that um, is that sort of open about their process and stuff. If you're not careful, Donnie, you might find your name in the credits. I wouldn't I wouldn't say no to that. Mine? Special thanks to Donnie Moore. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so good. Uh, I always like when we uh, single out little indies for, for uh, games of the week. Um, in, instead of these big things like League of Legends that don't need our support because they're doing oh, fine. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, because Rockstar, man. They've, they've that little hurt. that little plucky indie game, Red Dead Redemption. It needs Wait, our that, support. Is that the one where the wife is the tutorial? Yeah. The wife actually. The wife is sort of the. Uh, she's like the end game. In spoilers. Redemption. Oh, you know what? That is spoilers. I'm even sorry I said that. Let me edit that out. Uh, she is in Undead Nightmare. The wife is kind of the tutorial. So. I, despite um, despite the sort of minor, I guess, role they play in the story, uh, I really love the female characters in Red Dead Redemption. Uh, when when you play multiplayer with me, Donnie, you will be playing next to Bonnie McFarlane. Really? Oh, yeah. I not know that you could... Choose her as your your character in the multiplayer. Uh, they just released uh, free downloadable content that adds uh, the characters from the single player storyline as as, uh. as multiplayer skins. So yeah, I I right away made a beeline for Bonnie McFarland, and I love in the lobby you press that little B button and she says little you know that's the taunt thing and and you just uh-huh. get your little Bonnie McFarlandisms uh, <laughs> just bang on that B button. So well, all right, let's uh, let's call it a wrap. That was quite a podcast. Uh, lots yes. of uh, lots of news, lots of posts, lots, lots of games. Lots of meaty discussion. Lots of meaty discussion. Uh, yes. Donnie, I hope that your new job. Uh, I hope that you are on the like good side of the horror movie equation. Uh huh. Yeah. So don't don't be like one of the early victims who like dies early right. on. I can uh, maybe yeah. med- metaphorically be the last girl. Something like and, and just be be careful of like, any haunted rooms or or doors that you're not supposed to open. That they tell you about, like just be I, careful around that. Stuff. I will carry my PKE meter with me. Yeah. Ah, yes, yes, very good. What does PKE stand for, Donnie? Uh, psychokinetic energy. Wow, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Pastor, what are we going to do for folks next week? A little song, a little dance. Ah, never mind. Forum posts, news, <laughs> and games. And we and we might even reenact another movie scene like we did with Unforgiven. That's right, we might. Nobody knows for sure that with bated breath. Yeah, uh, Donnie, yeah. thank you for hanging out with us. Uh, I appreciate you for having me. If you are listening and you want to join uh, Jason McMaster and I, uh, send an email to tomchick at quarter to three dot com. We've got a list of guests, and we would love to put your name on it. Uh, I think I'm saying this right. You guys correct me if I'm wrong. 
Uh, go to iTunes and like us. Yeah, you know? do that. Sure. I don't know if you can like iTunes. I think you actually rate stuff. You can go to Facebook. We're not on Facebook. So uh, go to Twitter and, and plus one us, right? I don't. Is that how you say that? I don't. Uh. <laughs> yeah, plus one us on Twitter. Okay. Like us on iTunes and yep. rate us on Facebook. Good. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> uh, do whatever I, is positive on any of those social outlets towards us, and that will be great. Exactly, yeah. Get our names out there. You, you do the work for us. We'd appreciate that. Uh, so I'm Tom Chick. This has been uh, a great time with Jason McMaster, Donnie Moore, and we will be seeing everyone uh, next week. Yes, sir. <laughs>